Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Big Apple Hockey. Uh, as usual, we always got a jam-packed show for you guys. Sorry, I am not exactly camera-ready today, although some people will tell me I only have a face for radio. I am your host, Mark Williams, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only, the good, bad, the ugly contributor, Mr. John Fulkowski. Speaking of ugly, I have a face that's only good for radio. <laughs> Oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. And, of course, fresh from peanut butter and jellies, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I make about five per day. <laughs> One day there'll be a sitcom for you, Anthony, where it's it's I'm just a dad just yeah. trying to talk hockey occasionally <laughs> once in a while. But uh, as usual, like I said, we got a jam-packed show for you, for you all. Uh, again, we have our bar meetup coming up on the 28th. We're going to have giveaways that day, uh, giving away a couple autographed jerseys and 50-50 uh, raffles. Uh, and most importantly, just drinking and watching a hockey game together and seeing a couple names with faces. That would also be great. So first things first, let's get it started with the roller coaster known as the New York Rangers. Yeah, that was almost as painful as actually watching those damn games. So, what, the me Rangers... punching myself in the face or being on that roller coaster? Because I think that's the only roller coaster that I ever would actually want to repeatedly punch my face on while riding. Yeah, that was a rough <laughs> game. Uh, well, I mean, those roller coasters are just, uh, just absolutely. I, I need to get on another roller coaster again. It's been a while. I don't think I've been on one in about five years. Uh, but so the Rangers lose first. We did last week's show where they lost the two goal lead and then lost to Vancouver in overtime more on Vancouver later. Uh, then a three goal lead lost to Edmonton in overtime. And then that awful six, nothing. Let's just get this road trip over game in Calgary. Uh, who, by the way, do you know who scored in that game? Mika Zibanejad. And I'm wearing this shirt right now. If you, if you like it. Contact Anthony because he's got more of these. So uh, his Twitter feed is always on there. That I do. So um, that's why I kind of I, I keep on saying, will the real New York Rangers please stand up? It's it's you don't even know what this team is doing minute by minute. Philk, I've talked too much. You got to go. Well, you were you were talking about Mika Zibanejad and wearing shirts. Uh, my shirt is for the Seattle-based Allison Chains, and their song "Down in a Hole" would really be fitting for the way that the Rangers were after those Edmonton and Calgary games, because boy, were were, were those games terrible. So yeah, uh, you 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 blow a four-to-one lead. And you watch the greatest player in the world right now, the most skilled player to ever play a game, basically dismantle four guys and a goaltender. More um, on that in a moment. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, if you wanted to title it, it you could you could call it um, you could call it uh, guy fucks four dudes on the other team, and that would be like a Pornhub category. So yeah, it, it would sound like a Pornhub title or some shit. So yeah, 
that's basically how I know bad taste, but whatever. Cause it, it's basically true. Cause Connor McDavid just basically did that and annihilated the Rangers in that one goal. But um, you basically gave up a four, one lead to a team, Alexander Georgiev, who looked like he played some of his better hockey in the first half of that game, gave up that bad goal to Jesse Pogliarvi. And listen, you could say, okay, it's a rifle. Yeah, I get it. But his angle was off. He let up the goal and he was clearly rattled after that goal. And then the the goals that followed, the four goals that followed that were not good, except McDavid's. McDavid, it just, we'll get to that again in a bit, but defensive breakdowns left and right. Jacob Truba and Keandre Miller, once again, proving that they don't belong together. Patrick Nemeth needs to be fired into the sun by a cannon. Uh, and everybody else basically just fell apart on that team. And then in Calgary, um, if you saw my good, bad, and ugly, there was nothing good or bad about that game. Everything was ugly. Everything was uglier than me. That's saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, Not sure, especially since you lost all the weight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 Wayne ain't, the Wayne ain't hiding the face that only a mother could love. But um, I'm going to tell you right now, the way that they showed up in that game and even the, the whole thing with the Florida Panthers game afterwards and how Igor didn't even come out for the number one star, I think that might be the goaltender sending a message to the team that their play just simply isn't good enough, and it hasn't been. Well, did, did you did you see the tweet on that today? They said that the reason why he left so hastily was he had, the, he had a little bit of a stomach bug. I don't buy that. I don't. You can say that all you want. I don't buy it. I, I think the goaltender's pissed. I think if he had, if he really had that much of a stomach bug, I, I think he wouldn't have been playing in that game. I, I, that's just me. Yeah. But you, you can't keep overloading this guy with work, and that's what this team continues to do. And Gerard Gallant, yeah, I like what he said about how they didn't come out or they didn't play well enough, even against the uh, the best team in the league in Florida. You know what? That that's fine. But like Alexi Lafreniere came out what two weeks ago and said that, you know, I need to be better and this and that. Has Alexi Lafreniere walked the walk after talking the talk? Nope. He hasn't. And Gerard Gallant has got to be better. He's got to make these guys buy in. And if they're not going to buy in, changes are going to have to be made. Uh, this play's unsustainable. And I don't want to hear it from the winners of win, the sunshine and rainbows crowd when it comes to Rangers fans. Because if you guys want to overlook problems, and you're going to be the first ones to complain when they get knocked out of the playoffs so they don't make the playoffs, I'm going to look back at this and tell you, I told you so. And I don't want to be that guy, but this is the 2015-16 team all over again with a different composition because that's the way that they're playing back then, and it's the same exact way we're playing now. You just have have Igor instead of Hank. So help Igor out, somebody! All right. Uh, by the way, in case if anybody's wondering about the Calgary loss, the worst loss of franchise history was 15 to nothing to Detroit. So they've always put that in perspective on how bad those guys felt. But um, going very quick, and then I could get to Anthony because we still got a lot to cover just with the Rangers. Um, the uh, Then they come out, they beat Florida, who had, hadn't had a regulation loss yet. Then they, then they lost to New Jersey last night, too. Um, by the way, Spencer Knight, back-to-back games. Uh, what are you doing, Andrew Brunette? And it's 
you know, it, it's much as I was positive about, oh, they just beat Florida. Maybe they can get a couple things going. As if you read Filk's Good, Bad, and the Ugly, which is on our um, our Facebook page, you can see that there was a lot of ugly that's in there. And as long as I think fans would be up in arms if it was David Quinn giving Dave, David Quinn responses instead of Gerard Gallant with his coaching record and on-ice play, I mean, fans would be a little bit crazy, but Gallant is saying the right things behind the lines, and he's the man's won a Jack Adams Award. He's coached a team to a Stanley Cup Finals. I still believe in what he's what he's going to do with this team. Eventually, they're not there yet. We all know this, and that's absolutely true. Anthony, I'm going to go to you. So, I mean, when in relation to the the Panthers game, when I think about it, yeah, you know, you could be happy that you beat you beat the league's best team, but when you really break it down, I mean, they got outshot 45 to 18. I mean, that's, that's, I would say eight out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times. If they, if they were to play a top team like that and the same thing happens with getting outshot 45 to 18, you're going to lose. Like I said, maybe once or twice you squeak out a win like they did, but you're going to lose. So yeah, you could be happy that you got the two points, but you got to, that's simply unacceptable and it's going to burn and it's going to burn Igor out. Um, Cause that, that type of game. And it's sure, honestly, you could realistically say if there was, there was about two minutes left in that game after they scored the third goal, the Panthers probably tie that game. So the Rangers escaped essentially the clock ran out, unfortunately for the Panthers, but well, because they don't make it a 62 minute game. Somebody <laughs> don't worry. Brian Boucher yeah. said the same thing last night. <laughs> um, you know why I was holding up six fingers? No, no, because that's how many shots they had in the second period. Six. Oh, okay. Six. And do you know how many goals they had in the second period? Two. Two. Yeah. So that means they scored on 33.3% of their chances in a period. Which do you one know of those you talked about the Kendra Miller uh, thing. Uh, Anthony, do you finish know up. What place the Rangers are in in the NHL in high danger scoring chances for? I guess last? 31st. Yep. Do you yeah, know right. what place they're in in the NHL in high danger scoring chances against? 31st? No. 29th. Ugh. So they're the second worst team in the league in high danger chances for the, the fourth worst team in the league in high danger tr- scoring chances against. You cannot win with this formula. Something's got to change. They have to buy in. It, 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 if it's not going to change... Personnel has to be changed up because you're not you're not getting rid of a, a first year coach like Galan. You're not doing it. This isn't Florida before their their current ownership. This isn't Vegas with a brand new ownership group that's never really dealt with hockey before. Start buying in. These guys have got to be better. It's it, it's enough. It's a friggin' joke. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired of the people that are telling me that I'm negative. Because, oh, you're not sunshine and rainbows. Oh, you're not the one that's happy about a win. You can't be happy even if they win. Oh, well, they just beat the best team in the league. Why aren't you happy? Well, let's see, Schiffer Brains. I'm not happy because my team is getting handily outplayed every damn game. And they're coming out with victories by the skin of their teeth. And by the skin of their teeth, I mean the skin of their teeth. I mean it literally. I don't care if it's an expression. I mean it literally. It it doesn't matter 
why, like they say, oh, how many is really the question, not how. Okay, fair. But when it comes down to playoff time, when it comes down to that stretch, like it did last year where they played against the Islanders and the Islanders smacked the freaking shit out of them. And then Boston smacked the shit out of them. Pittsburgh smacked the shit out of them. And they missed the playoffs. What are you going to say then? Huh? What are you going to say then? Well, what are you going to say, Anthony? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I agree with, with a lot of what Philk is saying. I mean, I think too many people look at the overall record and they're content. But if, if you look at the way they've been getting wins, um, it's it's not it's not good for 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 long term you know long term success here, um, you know my my concern is again with allowing Shesterkin to get peppered for more often than not, um, and then you know I look at their I look at their defensive play, and they're too loose. I mean if you, if you break let's let's just break it down here. I mean Patrick Nemeth terrible defenseman, oh, Tenorti Tenorti terrible defenseman, um, Keandre Miller I know he scored that beautiful goal but. He's not he's not playing well defensively. Jacob Truba resembles a traffic cone right now. Um, you know, Niels Lundqvist, he's young, he's got a lot of upside, but you could tell he's still learning, you know. So who does that leave him with? With with Lindgren and Adam Fox? No, I mean you're and you're, you gotta play them like every minute you're, now. You're not you're not you're not gonna win when you have when you have essentially two capable defensive guys playing defense. And then the other hand of it. You know, I know Kako missed some time, but he's he's got he's got a bagel on the air in points. He doesn't yeah, well, play. he would have had one if Ryan Strom didn't decide. Hey, well, yeah. why don't I just skate into the goalie crease and stay there? Yeah, no, you know what? No, that's one of the dumbest offensive plays I've seen from a guy. I get it. I get it. But that's BS because he tried to get out of there and he wasn't allowed out. You kept I, getting cross checked, but he still skated game. right into the crease. You don't skate to the goal line when the puck is behind the goal. Go I to the top it. of the crease. I get it, but the, he still has to be allowed out of the crease. If that, all right. So he skated into the crease before that was before, well before the shot was taken. <clears throat> if Ekblad, if he Ekblad doesn't stop cross checking him, and he's allowed to leave that crease, that shot gets off, and he's out of the crease by the time that that shot is taken and goes in. And that's a goal. All right. Well, we, we're up to about 15 minutes on this. We got two other headlines we have to talk about with this. Anthony, finish up your thoughts. Um, so, yeah, Kako not having a points concerning. And then, you know, um, Lafreniere still. I mean, he's like four points in the season. And three of them were goals. I mean, it's still you, – you, you need you need more from those two. You, you absolutely need more from those two uh, yep. because – you can't – I mean, Kreider's scoring goals, yes, and then you have Panarin and Zibanejad, but that's just too much – you know, it's too much pressure for, for three guys to carry. Um, yeah, we, and, you know, like, speaking of Chris Kreider – sorry, uh, so I was going to say, speaking even, of Chris Kreider. You know, even even Heedle has three or four points in, you know, 13 games, and that's not that, – that's that's not good enough. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, if you look at on paper right now and their record – it's it's good, but there's a lot of underlying things going on that's not sustainable for for the long term success, and um, you know they they have to figure it out. Minus four goal differential. That's one of those things you got to change that. Can't you can't be can't be doing that, and that's even after 
they had uh, a positive one as of last week. Um, you know, we're going to go to Connor McDavid first, guys, because we're going to get your reactions to all that. But first, because uh, as usual, I prepped the video for this one. Oilers got the matchup they wanted. Rangers having trouble changing here. McDavid, beautiful move. No, God, please, no, no. No. I mean, it, it was it, that's horrible to watch. But first, Anthony, let me get your reaction to the McDavid goal. <laughs> um, I mean, my. My first reaction was uh, actually I had a men's league game that night. So we, when we came out of the, you know, the parking lot, we all were like watching the highlights of it. And, you know, I just said to myself, I mean, I kind of just laughed. Then I just, and I shook my head and said, that's just, that's just the best player in the world um, being the best player in the world. I mean, there's, there's like, I, I, I listen, I understand that the Rangers, you know, pucked watch a little bit and, you know, they didn't, they didn't play the body on them. And it's easy to say like, Oh, you're taught to play the body from a young age. And that's true. They did stick check. So I think, I think when you have him coming down at you at that speed, um, sometimes you just get amazed by it. And then also too, he's moving so fast. I, I think I, I, it's, I, so it's hard for me to <laughs> for criticize Nemeth and all those guys. Cause with how fast he moves, it's easy to say in the situation they should abide in him, but I mean, you don't know exactly know what was going through their mind at the time and worried about, you know, going to hit him with a body and then he dodges you and you look even more like a fool. So I get it. I get that they were too easy on him with their sticks. There was no body contact, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's McDavid. So I got to give them a little bit of a break, but I mean, that was, that was incredible. That was an incredible goal. There's only one player in the world that could, that, that could pull that type of, I mean, maybe, Maybe Patrick Kane's hands can pull that off, but he's but he's not as fat. So, but honestly, no, I, I think McDavid's the only guy that can that could do that the way he did it, and it was unbelievable. It was to borrow uh, a title from Allison Chains in honor of Philk's shirt and one of my favorite bands. They were godsmacked right there, but it's just this is and and I mean, as far as the Rangers go with he most of the stuff, heaven beside you, but it's. The, no. the problem I have with that goal, actually, McDavid, all, all, all credit to him. That's probably the goal of the year right now. My problem is, you're, Phil, Phil and I were talking about this. Kevin Rooney, you're, you're flushing him. You should be flushing him the outside, not flushing him in the middle. Uh, Patrick Nemeth, what were you doing? Uh, Jacob Trouba was in uh, total scramble mode. And then in, in all of this, Georgiev is sitting on the goal line. The one thing you don't give a guy like McDavid is extra room. He's boxed in one on four. Get to the top of the crease. And then if you watch the play again, Gorgiev just flops down. He just he just goes, I'm just going to go straight down. You know, like those bad animations from NHL 97? That was what, what, what Gorgiev was. <laughs> he just went straight down. That that's Or maybe even Blades of Steel back when uh, he used to do the shootout and that. But, I mean, it was – I it, no, no, it shouldn't have happened. I, all credit to Connor McDavid, best player in the league, but no, it shouldn't have happened, Philk. Uh, I, 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 everyone knows I love Connor McDavid. I, I, I do. It, it, he's just literally the most skilled player ever to ever play this game. He does things that 
not Gretzky, not Lemieux, not Burray, not Sackick, not Madano, Forsberg, no one else could do. He take take a Lamborghini, go on the northern or the southern state, drive it at about 155 miles an hour, weaving in and out traffic. Now imagine doing that and seeing the road and processing everything like you're in a Camry at 55 miles an hour. That's Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid can handle the puck, process the game, and see the ice, and process everything uh, that's going on around him. Like he's at that at a speed that we've never seen before in our lives, and he can do it like we're skating against each other's, and we would we would look like slugs against them. Connor McDavid, that he he's literally just like this and that, just juking in and out of people. He's like he's like using Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl. It's a cheat code. <laughs> it's a cheat code. There's there's no blade of steel. Mm-hmm. No 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 no. Connor McDavid is literally if you took Bo Jackson from Tecmo Bowl and put him in Blades of Steel and then tried to stop him, that's what he is. So you can't you can't stick check. I have no problem with the fact that he scored that goal. That's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, I, again, I saw a problem with the fact that the goaltenders basically gave him extra room. Come out of your net Forget a little that. bit. Forget He's one that. on four. Forget that. Forget it. Forget it. Because if if one of four players tries to take the body on him, there's a lesser chance of that happening. And at least Georgiev has a fighting chance. Listen, I'm not saying Georgiev was good in that game. Like I said, the second half of that game, he was utter dog shit. It was utter dog shit after that pull Yarby goal. He was clearly rattled. But you can't stick check him. You can't do that. You can't. Because yeah. you're going to get burned every damn time against someone that damn talented. And it happened. And that's why it happened. And Patrick Nemeth, you belong riding the pine in the AHL or the ECHL because you're a joke. You're a joke. You look like Krusty the Clown's ass. That's what you look like. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Wow. Krusty, we have a Krusty the Clown's ass reference right now. Wow. How about that one? I mean, because then you have a headline the very next night where the Rangers did get a goal to pass the goal line from Adam Fox. And Fox uh, kind of turns the crowd, put, put his ear up and be like, can you hear us? They challenge the goal and ends up being an offsides, and it's sort of like a little bit of rare emotion out of uh, out of Adam Fox. Yeah, you don't really see as much of that. And then the the Flames fans boom and chant out, "Fox, you suck." You know, I I, I actually side with the the Flames fans on this one. They have every right to boo Adam Fo- Adam Fox. They, they he didn't want to go play for them. He wanted to play for his hometown team but they still ended up trading him and getting something out of it. He was in the Noah Hannafin trade. So it's not like it was say your situation, Anthony with John Tavares. Sorry to mention he who shall not be named, <laughs> but I mean, it's uh, so what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Anthony? I think, I think like you said, fans have have the right to boo anybody they want. Uh, they felt slighted by it. Um, you know, obviously it's been a long time now, but, that's something that they're not going to, that they're not going to forget. Um, and actually it reminds me when the Islanders played Montreal, did you know the Canadians booed Chara every time he touched the puck from 
12 years ago when he had to hit a max patch already. So fans, <laughs> fans thing. no matter, it seems like how much time has passed. I mean, in my, in my personal belief, that's a little ridiculous for that amount of time. Again, it just goes to prove the point, you know, fans have the right to boo whoever they want. If they don't like somebody, they're going to make it known. Especially when it doesn't burn the franchise. Yeah. Phil? Whatever. You know what? It's stupid, but it's, I get it. He didn't want to play for them. It's, it's whatever at this point, fans are going to be fans. And you know what? Like Dave said here, fans are passionate. Yeah. Passionate. And well, fans are short for fanatic. That's the reason why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I, I don't really have a problem with it. It's it's whatever. I just find it funny that it took them until now to start doing it. That's the only thing that really kind of confuses me about it. I I just don't think they had the opportunity uh last year and then two years ago they probably did it and just didn't really mention it at all. Uh by the way, Tony D'Angelo right now, 10 points on the season. He's just behind Adam Fox in the league category. I think 11, uh, actually. But one other guy we got to talk about, and we got to talk about Philk's least favorite New York Ranger, Chris Kreider. Can he? He's got nine goals right now. Is he finally going to notch his first 30 goal season? Are we going to me? Yeah, we'll go to you, Philk. I'm still taking the under. Okay. I'm, I'm still going to take the under. I, I just, I can see the cold streak. I, I, it, it just. It feels like it, it, it's going to happen eventually, and the fans that are all over his jock right now are going to eventually turn on him and be like, oh, well, you know what? This is kind of what happens, and then I'm just going to sit here, and you could throw up the the Will Smith gift from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air who was just sitting in the chair was just like. <laughs> yeah, because your worst case is you got a Ranger that scored 30 goals. Anthony. Yeah. Over under 30 goals. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say just under. I mean he's definitely on pace to do it right now, but um, you know, just based on how he does disappear for stretches, I think it's only a matter of time at some point that will happen. Um, but he's definitely on pace for it right now. I just don't know if he could continue to play at this pace. And judging from prior years and his typical game, you would think that the answer to that is no, but um, you know, I, I think he can he can do it based on the pace, but I, I don't I don't think he's going to continue scoring at this rate. So I'm going to say just under. I'm going to actually, since I'm president of the Chris Kreider fan club, he does it this year. There's no experimenting. There's no changing up lines at the last minute. He would have done it under his first season under David Quinn. Instead, they decided to split up him and Zabanajad. So this year, I think he finally does it. Now, um, if you're reading those bottom headlines right now, boys, I hope you're not. But um, who uh, was the, according to Statboy Steven, the oldest player to notch his first 30-goal season? I've been thinking about this because you asked me this before we came on. Um, Someone who hit 30 very, very, very late in his career. Um, for the first time, Anthony, do you have a guess on this? Oldest player to score his first 30 goal season. 
Um, These are all names given to me by Statboy Steven, our friend over at Rangers Review, Wardy NHL. Ray mm. Whitney. That's actually a good guess, but no. No, I, I think Whitney hit his after the right after the lockout, I think. I believe he was only in his early 30s when that happened, so I don't think it would be him. All right, you ready, boys? Because we're starting to drag this out a little bit too long. Yeah. Brad boys. Tomas Holmstrom. Wow. Of the Detroit Red Wings, the guy that wow. parked his butt in front of the net the entire time. Wow. So it's a little bit hard for us to believe that, but, yes, uh, short answer is Kreider can get 30. Peter Pruka got it in his rookie season. Peter Pruka was a was I think he was like twenty three though when he was a rookie. <laughs> you know, my optimism is going. Don't worry, I can make this work. That is that's usually. Taylor Pyatt never hit thirty. Um, but yeah, Taylor Pyatt never hit thirty. But yes, we got a lot of that. But guys, we got a lot of show we got to get to. So why don't you tell us what you thought about the Rangers last week and the roller coaster? Because they're always giving us headlines, so I can't believe I uh, can't believe. Actually, Ray, so Ray Whitney should be up there. Hold on a second. What do you got for Ray Whitney? Ray Whitney was thirty-four years old. All right, 30, he scored. Is that his first goals, thirty-goal season? Thirty-two goals in. Oh no, never mind. He hit it in ninety-eight as well. I'm sorry, yeah. that's a total. Okay. Yeah, he, say, he had a, he definitely had a couple seasons, I think, with San Jose where he did that. No, so, he had he had one season in '98 where he hit it. And he was 25 years old. Never mind. Okay, I, I well, just read that. But we're gonna we're gonna sign off on the Rangers right now because yeah. there was too much that we had to talk about with them last week. What do you think about their their recent play? Throw it all down in the comments below. There's literally going to be three videos that kind of come out of this in the shortened <laughs> segment. Uh, and again, when I tell Anthony, I apologize. The Islanders don't get that many headlines because they don't make that many headlines. They only played three games last week and then, but there's still plenty to talk about with them. So first they come out, they pound Montreal, shut out Winnipeg. And then they, they, they have that disastrous third period against Minnesota Anthony got to go. Oh, first off, actually, before I want to do that, let me give the tidbit for, for you. Who was the last New York Islander to score four goals in a game as Brock Nelson scored four goals against Kyle Montreal Canadiens? You are correct. Kyle, Kyle Opozo. Take it away. Yeah, you know, they had they had that long layoff um, after Nashville. They went into Montreal um, and they did. They took care of business. They beat a bad team. Um, you know. The Sorokin was fantastic in that game. Actually, after the game, Barry Trotz apo essentially apologized to him and said that he should have had another shutout because, um, you know, five minutes left in the game, he still had the goose egg on the board. And then Trotz rewarded some guys who worked hard, who no don't normally play power play minutes. And he put Chara out there and he put a couple of the fourth line guys out there. Um, and it resulted in getting a shorthanded goal against. So, um, you know, he apologized to him for that. And then they had that five on three they took at the end where, um, you know, he almost got across and made a ridiculous save, but it, you know, it went in, but, um, you know, they took the, he, he played strong. They outplayed Montreal in every area of the game, um, collected the two points, the game against Winnipeg. Um, again, you know, that Winnipeg's a good team. Uh, 
they went into Winnipeg. Um, they shut down their big guys, you know, we- Shifley and Wheeler. Um, Sorokin, again, uh, very, very solid. Gets Got his third shutout of the season. Um, and then, you know, go into Minnesota, and they have a 2-1 lead. Varlamov's first game of the year. And for not playing since June, I thought that Varlamov played pretty well. Um, I would say that the third goal he would like, he would have liked to have back. But um, overall, for not playing in so long, he had to be happy with it. Um, but unfortunately, they dropped that game. And, you know, so far on this road trip, um, I think as an Islander fan, you have to be happy considering it's a 13-game road trip and they, they've put themselves in a position to close with three games left on it to close it out, you know, with being over 500. So actually winning New Jersey tomorrow would would solidify definitely being over 500 in this road trip. So um, overall, pretty good. Um, you know, I, I thought their defense has started to go back to playing Islander-style defense. Um Brock Nelson has heated up. Uh, Barzell had a fantastic game against Minnesota. He was flying all over the ice. Um, so they're, like I said last week, they're starting to show those flashes of being that that really, really good Islander team. Um, and again, you know, this 13 game road trip, it's grueling, it's long, and all things considered, I think they're they're in a good spot right now where they are. But um, there's there's no doubt about it that if you pick their best player so far this season, uh, it's you know Ilya Sorokin by you know decent amount um you know he's he's been he's been absolutely fantastic i mean the guy the guy has three shutouts but i mean he lost that shutout in chicago with 24 seconds left uh and then the game in montreal which trots essentially took you know responsibility for for him not getting the shutout i mean that's i mean that's talking you know he could have had five shutouts in nine games i mean that's just even having three shutouts in nine games is is ridiculous and um so you can't say enough good things about him. He's, I think he's their starting goaltender from this point. Um, I know they're going to start to ease Varlamov back in, but um, right now you got to go with Sorokin for the majority of these games because um, he's giving the team a chance to win every single night. And as an Islander fan, you have to be ecstatic that he's he's in between the pipes. Just before I turn this over to John, Anthony and I were doing research to find the last time the Islanders had a lead in the third period and lost in, re- and lost in regulation. Couldn't even find it under trots. We're, they were still looking for it. It might never have happened until it happened Sunday. So if you guys know if that uh, when the last time they had a lead in the third and lost in regulation, put it down in the comments below. Mr. Fulkowski, your thoughts on the Islanders right now? They're playing the way that they need to be playing and where they should be playing. They're the team that we thought they should be they look like they're going to challenge for the division. Whether they actually win the division, I don't know. Uh, I, I said that they would, but Carolina looks to be an absolute force. Washington doesn't seem to be going away. So uh, this division's probably going to be a three-dog fight. And I, 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 you can't really count on Pittsburgh once they get back everybody back to full strength. They, they played well enough to tread water somehow. Uh, I know they lost last night. Uh, in a shootout against uh, Chicago because, you know, Tristan Jari just can't do it. Uh, I mean, Tristan Jari looked amazing in the overtime and then was absolute crap in the shootout for them. It was just amazing how that worked. But um, I wouldn't count on Pittsburgh. They're still getting points despite that. Um, Islanders, they just – they're playing Barry Trotz hockey now. Everybody's in. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's back. Parise seems to have found a fit. 
like we were, I know we were talking about a couple of weeks ago and how you were questioning where the fit was. He's found that fit. He's fine. Ilya Sorokin well, still is, ain't scoring, but that's a different story. Yeah, but you know what? They didn't bring him in to score. Right. If he, if he, if he gives you 10-plus goals on that third line, you're happy at that point with that signing. And you're not paying him to be a big scorer, so not worrying about that. Uh, I still worry about their defense uh, coming down the stretch and then playoff time. I, I still think they need to make an acquisition. Uh, Lou has cap space, so he probably will make something happen. It's just a matter of who that is and when the opportunity comes about to get that player. Uh, but otherwise, they, they look like they're in midseason form. It, it just everything is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, a weird kind of loss there with uh, Minnesota. Uncharacteristic. Probably won't happen much again. It, it, I wonder if it will actually happen like that again by the end of the season. I wonder if the Islanders will blow a third period lead like that again this season. I, 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 knowing the way that Barry Trotz coaches that team and the attention to detail that they have, I don't think it's going to happen. You never know, but it's, it's a, it's a very, very rare miscue for an Islander team under Barry Trotz. So uh, I like what I see from them. Uh, uh, Sorokin has done the job. He's been very good when he's been called on to, you know, he's when he's been called on to step up and make the big saves, he's made them. Uh, he probably could have, I'd say two more shutouts on his record this year. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, the, the other one where trots took the blame for, but I, you know what, if you're an Islander fan, you really don't have a lot to complain about. And if we did power rankings again, the Islanders would probably be near the top of my division in the power rankings. So, well, to borrow, um, another Allison chains title and also mention if it's a three dog fight, the Islanders ain't the one that's on John's shirt. They're going to have all four legs. That's more like Washington that's got the three-legged dog that's right there for you. John, show him the shirt real quick. Uh, there you go. See, the Islanders got all four legs, unlike that one. But you know what the Islanders are going to do? Just like the first track on that album, they're going to have to grind. And that's what the Islanders do, and that's what they do best. So they're, I, I just I have trouble seeing this team as a comeback team even still right now. So if you're going to beat the Islanders, you got to get that first goal. If they get the first goal, the game is basically over. So it's just that simple. They win the center battle every single time and they'll just wear you out um, with their, to borrow Colin Campbell's phrase about the devils, a flock of interchangeable forwards. But you haven't even, Matt Barzell isn't even going yet. A lot of the guys aren't even going yet. We haven't heard much of JG Pajot, but you know what? They're winning games. And they're gonna they're gonna be right there at the end. I still have them finishing second to Carolina and eliminating the Rangers in the first round right now. So yay. Um Anthony, though, so not this Saturday. Next Saturday is gonna be a huge night for you, you and the entire Islander fan base. They're going to get uh Jersey, then it's their second back-to-back -back of the season. <laughs> so um, that grueling schedule with only two back-to-backs. Uh, Thursday versus Jersey, Monday at Tampa, and then Tuesday at Florida. And then next Saturday night, not this one, they open in UBS Arena. Your thoughts, Anthony? Well, I think the game, the Devils have been no slouch. So I think the Devils, is it's not going to be a cakewalk, but I think um, there's going to be a large contingent of Islander fans there tomorrow night. 
Um, I think they're going to go into that game. I think Sorokin's going to be back in between the pipes. Um, I think they're going to win that game. I mean, Tampa and Florida, those are going to be two tests. Obviously, I think the, I think the guys are going to be jacked up to play against Tampa Bay. You know, they, they're definitely not going to forget what Tampa Bay did to them the last two uh, playoffs. So I'm sure they're going to have an extra jump in their step um, against Tampa. And then against Florida, you know, they're, they know that Florida beat them uh, pretty handily in the second game of the year. And that's again, that's sure something they have a bad taste in their mouth about. Um, and I think they're going to come out and play Florida much stronger this time around. Um, so on that back-to-back, I mean, I think if they can get three out of four points, I mean, that would be great. Obviously, winning both would be tremendous. But um, I think uh, to shoot for three out of that four would be uh, would be the starting point there. Um, but, you know, again, I think they're, they're in the stretch run here of this road trip being over. Again, I reference if they beat New Jersey um, tomorrow night, that guarantees them a winning record in this road trip. And th- that alone, 13-game road trip to start the year, I mean, if you're going to say you're going to come home and you're going to be on the plus side, you got to take that all day and run. So um, that's a good thing. And listen, they're going to put themselves in a good position now. We'll have a stretch of games at home at UBS Arena. Uh, and I think this is where they can really take off. Because like I said, barring a disaster, these next three games, um, they've, they've done the job on this road trip. Um, they held serve, and now it's coming home. Um, get used to their new building. The fans are going to be fired up and then go from there. Um, so I think I think they're in a good spot right now. Uh, I, I just think for me, it's important that Trot stick with Broken in goal. I mean, he's he's the guy now. Get him in even more of a rhythm, um, you know, and sprinkle in Varlamov when when you can. I know on a back to back, obviously they're going to split, um, but you got to ride the hot guy. Um, and then again, Phil, you know, Phil referenced it. Parise is not scoring right now, but I mean, he's like a dog on a bone on the forecheck. He's really been great on that third line. He's opening up more space for Oliver Wallstrom to get open for his shot. Um, you know, he picked up his first two points of the year and in the game against Winnipeg, he had two assists. Uh, so, you know, he's been really good, even though it's not showing up on the score sheet. Um, you know, Alvar Wallstrom has five goals, you know, Brock, Brock Nelson's really coming on. So um, they're in good shape. And then let's not forget, they did make a trade on this. Uh, they traded Boychuk to Buffalo. Um, yeah. For people who were kind of scratching their head, wondering about that, I'll explain it. They were using LTIR. So now with Boychuk gone and not using LTIR, this allows them to accrue cap space now like every other team. So um, it gives them now $2 million available. And then come the trade deadline, they should have upwards of $10 million to use on an acquisition. So that was really important. And then uh, Leo Komarov is going to be signing with SKA, SKA St. Petersburg. So once he clears on unconditional waivers, he didn't go on today. So I'm assuming he'll probably go on unconditional waivers tomorrow. Um, and his three million cap hit, poof, off the book. So that gives Lou even some Lou some even more coin to play with here, um, you know, going forward. So um, they're in a good spot. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I think uh, they're you know, like I said, coming into the stretch at UBS. I think they're really going to come on, and um, I'm excited to see how how they play at that new arena because I think everyone's going to be really fired up and it's going to show. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. Yeah, go ahead, you first. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. I I, I got to ask you this because I know the the talk of the town for the Islanders has really been Sorokin. Yeah. And I I think you probably agree with this, but would you say that really Brock Brock Nelson right now is the driving force on the Islanders? Offensively, yes. De- uh, I mean, definitely. Um, you know, Barzell Barzell's been spotty. Um, you know, he he's. <laughs> Do we just lose him? Did we just lose you, Anthony? I think he might be frozen. 
It's still it, there for a minute. So the lighting we'll just went that. like crazy there for a second. And then that that stuff. was weird. That was, that that, was really he, weird. He just kind of flashed out. By the way, uh, Islander fans, we're going to have more on Brock Nelson in a moment. Uh, it's hoping you can get back, Anthony, here. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Anthony to get back, uh, Phil, what do you think the Islanders' record is over the next three games? Well, they, I mean, I'd have to, they have what, New Jersey? They go, they go to Jersey, they go to Florida. Tampa, and then they go to Florida. This, by the way, is the first time I could really say the travel is grueling because they're going from up north back down south. We got Anthony again. He's um, <laughs> he's actually, hold on, we, we actually had two Anthonys for a moment. Yeah, we had two Anthonys for a moment there, but uh, yeah, I, 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 think, <laughs> I think they these next three games they go two and one. I think the Florida. I think Florida could beat them again. I think Florida is going to come out of their funk. I think Bobrovsky is going to go back into the net. And I think that could be the loss. But I, I definitely think they beat Jersey, and I, I could definitely see them beating Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is really kind of just up and down, and not having Kucherov definitely hurts them. Anthony. Uh, so no, I, what I was saying was before that all happened. Um, you know, Brock Brock Nelson has been the driving force offensively. You know, Barzell's been spotty like in minnesota who was great against winnipeg his line didn't really um i mean he had the, the assist on lee's goal but he they their that first line wasn't the driving force that game um it's mostly been nelson's line and then the the prise pajot wallstrom trio but um yeah brock nelson's been fantastic uh like you know mark has mentioned um he's used as a matchup center but he also has the responsibility of producing um you know he's been doing that he, he leads the team in points um, and boy, if you talk about a player who's come such a long way since Barry Trotz took over, I mean, pre Barry yeah. Trotz, he was a guy that would score, you know, 22 goals, but I mean, he didn't really, he didn't really deliver in any other areas of the game, but, um, I guess I think he's got a defensive force too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. maybe having a bigger role and Trotz believing in him, um, really helped his game take off, and uh, you know he's yeah he's been he's been great for the Islanders. He's become a pain in the ass to play against. Uh, yeah. I, I've noticed that, and especially in in the Pittsburgh and Boston it, it, in the playoffs last year in general. I should say he was a real pain in the ass for the opposition centers to play against. So yeah, I, you know he was the guy that I I I have to eat a ton of crow on because I, I thought that you know what. He had that nice first season under Trotz and Trotz's first year in 19. And I was like, all right, you know what? Brock Nelson, he's inconsistent. He'll, he'll, he'll go back. He'll regress to the mean. But Barry Trotz has found – he's unlocked something with him. So, I yeah. mean, good, good, for, good for Barry Trotz and good for Brock Nelson. Uh, Anthony, real quick, Islanders' next three games. Give me what they're going to be. I think they, I think they beat Jersey. Um, I think they beat Tampa. Um, and then I think they fall to Florida again, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be another, you know, five, two loss or whatever it was. I think maybe they lose in overtime or maybe it's just a one goal loss in regulation. But, um, uh, so yeah, I'm going to say two and one. I mean, ho- listen, as an Islander fan, you hope for three and oh, but I'd say realistically two and one or two oh and one where they at least pick up a point, but that's how I can uh, see that. Point. Right. I'm going to say two oh and one, the same thing. I think they're going to run out of steam by the time they get to Florida and not that Florida right now, this is the time to get them. Uh, they're still trying to figure things out. And uh, even though they had that big win against Carolina, they came out against Rangers and the Devils, like against the Devils last night, they were down two to one. They were up three to two and then tied three, three all within about a matter of a minute and a half. So we'll, uh, we'll see about that. So 
What do you guys think about the way the Islanders have been playing? Throw it down in the comments below. How about Brock Nelson and Ilyas Orokin? I mean, words, words cannot describe what they've been doing, but Anthony's been putting it in our group chat every five seconds. So, guys, we're going to move on, and uh, we're going to do some bar talk. So we got a lot to talk about there. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You got to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh my God. Welcome back to the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Do you want to buy everybody around because you're so confident? Just a beer or uh, I really need a shot. So. We're going to start with this one, and uh, one, Mr. John Fokowski, this is right at you. Barkley Goudreau should continue to get top-line minutes. Are you looking for me to throw my laptop out the window? <laughs> no, shot. Yeah. No, this is this is, this is is shot. You don't – this guy's an offensive black hole. So, in terms of, like, actually driving a play, Barkley Goudreau was not brought in to try to, you know – do that he's not that type of player never will be but you cannot continue to have a player that just is an offensive black hole who cannot help sustain offensive possession in any such sort of way and if you think about it if it's not for two empty net goals he has one goal on this season in which he scored off of a shot or deflection so he's been really bad offensively he needs to be better defensively, too. And there's no reason why he shouldn't continue to get top six minutes. Listen, I get Gallant is trying to get these guys to buy it. I get he's trying to find a fit. But at what point do you stop cutting off your nose to spite your face to send a message to this team? You want to win games, put your best players out there in the situations that you need them to be out there and get them, get them to produce and put them in optimal situations to succeed. That's what David Quinn did not do. And Gerard Gallant is sort of doing the same thing right now. And it needs to change because that's part of the reason why the Rangers are one of the worst teams in the league at even strength. If you look at their even strength numbers, uh, there's like 16, there's maybe five or six teams that are worse than them in terms of like total even strength goals. One of them is Boston, who's played three less games and is last in the league with 18 goals at even strength. And the Rangers have, I think, 20, yeah, 23 goals. So the, the Bruins have five less goals in three less games played at even strength. And there are, I believe, three, two or three other teams that are behind the Rangers in even strength goals, but they've also played less games than the Rangers. So they've got to be better at even strength. This is not good, and Barkley Goudreau ain't helping it. So shot. And I'm going to go shot and I'm going to go for a different reason as well, because they need to get him off that top line and get him into his third line checking role because your bottom six is not doing well right now. And having a number one draft pick down there certainly isn't the answer either. Um, it's they, they, they need uh, Philip Heedle being gone. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause what, what, what's he going to be? And just, I they they need to spread around the talent and get they got to get that third line going. You you you're not going to get it with Gaudreau playing on the right wing on the top line. 
It's just that simple. He was brought here to be the, to work to strengthen the third line. That's what he should be doing. I turn it over to you, Mister LaRocco. What is this? A uh, Leo Komarov on the top line situation? Um, it's, <laughs> it's 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 shot. Uh, listen, I get sometimes why coaches do that because they want to add some sort of level of defensive responsibility to a top line. Uh, take some pressure off some of the, the skilled guys so they don't have to pay as much attention to detail on the defensive side of the puck. Um, so I get the rationale, but to me, um, I, I, I've never been a fan of it. Uh, I think guys should play firmly in their roles. And as Phil said, Barkley Goudreau is a little bit of an offensive black hole. Um, and I think it hurts more than it helps. Yeah. It's uh, just... Go ahead. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you the numbers right now. Okay. So the Rangers at 13 games have 23 goals. And then they're tied with the Islanders and Senators with 23 goals. The Islanders only played 10 games. The, the Ottawa Senators have played 12. There's two teams that are below them, Montreal and Chicago, who have 21 and 19 goals respectively, but they both played 14 games. And then Nashville has 21 goals, but has played one less game than the Rangers at 12. And then Boston has 18 at 10 games. So the Rangers, you could argue, are literally the worst team in the NHL at even strength right now. Which is odd because that hasn't been that way for a while. Um, moving on. We just talked about him a minute ago. We're going to talk about him some more. But with Jack Eichel out, Brock Nelson should be Team USA's number two center in Beijing. Anthony, it's your boy. Yeah, so Staple, when he had his article that day, when I mentioned this to you on uh, The Athletic, um, he was talking about Brock Nelson. And uh, with Jack Eichel out and then Kevin Hayes not playing yet, he had surgery, probably not coming back to January. Uh, Joe Pavelski's old. He's like 37 years old. I mean, that that leaves a big hole at center ice for Team USA. Uh, so you're talking JT Miller, Dylan Larkin, Brock Nelson. Um, and there's there's you could make a case for either of them, but – you know, Brock Nelson is very capable. At the very least, he's, I think, without a question, he's on the USA Olympic team for sure. Uh, whether he's second, third line center, I mean, that, that's to be determined. Um, but I definitely think there's a spot on the roster for him. Um, I'm going to go beer only because, I mean, I, I think, I think again, I mentioned you can make a case for either of those guys, you know, Miller, Larkin. Um, so I don't, it doesn't really matter where they line up per se, whether he's second line center, third line center. Um, moving the wing, but I don't think that's best. I think he should play center, but I, I definitely think he'll he'll be on the team. Um, but so beer, uh, but I I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he's the second line center. He has the skill set to do it. Philk, I'm gonna say beer. I lean towards shot just because of the fact that Miller and Larkin are more established offensive centers. Miller's had a point per game season. Larkin's had a 70, 30 goal, 70 point season. Um, it's not a knock at Brock Nelson as much as it is just an, uh, a testament to how good those two are. I, I, I honestly think if, if Brock Nelson was a guy that was putting up 60 to 70 points on a regular, I would take Brock Nelson over the two of them because I think Brock Nelson's a better defensive player than the both of them. But I, I just don't think with especially with Larkin's speed and playing on a bigger ice surface, um, I, I think that they'll they'll go with probably Larkin. 
and then maybe Miller is a number three. And then I think Brock Nelson would probably be number four. He should absolutely be on the team, though. He should absolutely be on the team. They want to move him to wing and have him play. I mean, he's played wing for a while, so he he could and play. And Team USA, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and be an effective winger. So it's, it's not like he, he couldn't put him on wing and put him in the top nine or, or something like that if they want to do that. Just depends on their wing depth at this point. But um, I, if anything, I, I really – I would have to say beer here, but I, I would lean towards shot because I think uh, Olympics like that, unless you're really blowing the doors off of things, it's more about a name value type thing. And I, I think those guys have a little more name value than Brock Nelson does. So I, I think that's why they would get it. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm just going to get the right there for a second. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go beer, and the reason why is because Dylan Larkin is the name that's coming to mind. Uh, Phil, if you could just lean forward, just sip that for a second. Just, been, uh, just sip the beer that's right underneath your chin. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, um, it's definitely something that it, it's could it can be considered. Oh, we got Anthony back. Got him. Whoop! You. I there. didn't write anything that time. There you go. Uh, fortunately, the beer was right underneath uh, Phil's chin. You just missed that one, in. But uh, no, Dylan Larkin's the only other guy I think about. Uh, and uh, JT Miller got his point per game season as a wing, so that's why I wouldn't even really consider him on that. They have a huge gaping hole, and hey, maybe Kevin Adams is somebody we can thank for that because, after all, <laughs> if this was done in July, Jack Eichel would probably be playing next month. But don't worry, more on Eichel in a moment. Finishing up with this, I I think Brock Nelson would be best if he was the third-line center and he was their matchup guy. That would be great, but sometimes that just doesn't work out. And if he's got to be number two out of necessity, it is it, he'll probably be better for Team USA than Derek Stepan was in the last Olympics. Oof. So moving on to the big news of last week. We're so glad we only have to say these words one more time. But Buffalo won the Jack Eichel trade. John, I'm going to you first because I'm going to take this one last. Shot. Shot. There's no way you could say that they won the trade. They, they got something for him, sure. But the first round pick that they got is a top 10 protected pick. You got Alex Tuck, who, yeah, I get it. He's had a 50-point season. But is Alex Tuck going to be that type of player in Buffalo? With with without, with without who centering him? Who? Reinhardt's gone. Eichel's obviously gone because he went the other way. So mm-hmm. who, who's, centering, who's centering Alex Tuck? And then you got Peyton Krebs, I guess. I mean, that's a good prospect. I mean, I was never super high on Peyton Krebs. I know some think that he's going to be a stud. Um, he, I, I just, I don't agree with it. I think Peyton Krebs is probably a, a decent number two center when it's all said and done. But, but Kevin Adams just play, played his hands so horribly and cost that team so much. And if it wasn't for the fact that the Bakulas are clueless and have no idea of what a good hockey mind is like, he would have been fired by any other management across any other team in the league is he just horribly horribly ruined 
that return for that team. Just a terrible job by Kevin Adams. Awful. Anthony. I mean, I go back and forth on this um, because you got to look at it as Jack Eichel obviously was never going to play for Buffalo again. Uh, and based on everything of what did you did you see the clip yeah if if they let him got his surgery yeah yeah they would have let him play for him but uh, you know that wasn't happening so essentially I think we all knew that that bridge it was never it, he was he wasn't going to suit up for the Sabers again considering everything that had happened um, and I think because of that it was also we stated they were never going to get a a top blue chip guy for a guy who was having a serious procedure that's never been done before so when you consider that. I mean, they did. They got back a guy who's reached 50 points before, and Alex Tuck. Uh, Krebs is a, he's a he's a good prospect. I think he he does have upside on the first round pick. Um, they could have. I mean, they could have done worse. I mean, look, they could have had Eichel continue to sit, and they have no asset, and Eichel's still not traded. Um, but I mean, so it's tough. Can you say that they didn't? They should have. They should have got a little more. I mean, maybe, but. How much more? Because again, they weren't they weren't going to get a star player for Jack Eichel. So I I think I think it falls right in the middle. I, I think it's just kind of like a solid return for him. Nothing to you know jump in the streets about for joy if you're a Saber fan, um, but at the same time, nothing to sit there and say, oh you know wow this franchise should just fold. I'm not being a Sabers fan anymore. Um, so I, I'm I'm going beer. The real winner is us. Because we don't have to talk about a trade of Jack Eichel after this. Now we just can analyze it and second guess, which is what all of us are really good at. So the answer is, I, unfortunately, I really want to be partisan and say it's, it's, it's one or the other. But it's going to be beer. It's going to disappoint everybody. It's basically the Eternals. Um, uh, the movie, I mean, of course. But it, it's just, th- this trade is what we waited Two months into the regular season and all this hype for for Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and a draft pick that's lottery protected and that and that and that. Really? That's it? That's that's the best you got? Sorry. Um, good thing you held out a player's surgery for a while. Screwed Team USA. Never mind that one. Angered a guy who, who just wants to go play in the Olympics. And, um, you know... I, Vegas, they, they flushed this season down the toilet because I I personally think there is no chance Vegas does they, they want to win a cup. They're not winning a cup this year. You'll be lucky if they get to the playoffs. If they get to the playoffs and you get to see Jack Eichel in a jersey next season in a Vegas jersey, uh, then that, that they'll be lucky to see that. Trust me, Pete the, I, I said this before. Pete the board teams go downhill. Going uh, into as 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 long as he's there, they they start out strong, they go downhill, and I I, I keep predicting he's not going to finish the season with them. Or if he does, he might not be on the next season. But more on coaches that are on the hot seat in the moment. So Alexander Ovechkin will score fifty goals this season. I will start this one, and I'm going to buy everybody around. He is motivated. He wants to do it this year. He's going after Gretzky. And, I mean, he's got Nick Backstrom to uh, get all the assists because I love that commercial with him, his wife, and Nick Backstrom on the life insurance. It's just too freaking funny. So, Anthony? Going around. Um, he's got 11 goals in 12 games. Um, 
you know, he's, he's 36 years old and he's, he's really not showing any signs of, of slowing down with his goal scoring ability. Um, he obviously has a shot and truthfully, I don't know about you guys, but I actually watching him, I actually think he looks, he looks quicker than usual than I, in the last, in the last season or two to my eye. Um, you know, I, I listen, I think he's motivated to do this and that's, we're not fools. He signed for five years for a reason. Um, I think he wants the record, um, it would be a great story for the game, for the league. Uh, and listen, I've always said if he had one or two more 50 goals, I mean, two two more 50-goal seasons, I think Seals would definitely do it. But I said another 50-goal season really might complete the deal for him. Because now, I mean, as it is right now, you see he needed to average like 32 goals over five years to reach the record. If he has a 50-goal season this year, I believe that brings the number down to where the following four years he only needs to average like, 27 goals or so um and at the rate that he's playing right now you got to believe that next year he could score 40 or 52 so um yeah i i watching him right now i have no reason to believe why he can't score 50 goals so um i'm going with a round Pilk. on pace for 75 goals over 82 find everybody around you, I know it's early, and I've seen him fall off. I've seen him go into cold spells before. Yes, it can happen. I just don't think it's going to. Even all right. So fifty over eighty-two is. Let's see here. I'm just want to do some math. Fifty divided into eighty-two is a, a point sixty goal per game clip. And if he were to do that, so there's, he's what, 12 games. So let's see that the over 70 games, he, that's 40. He would need to score 42 at, at like a, a clip to be at 50. I, I just, I don't see how he doesn't score 40 over the next 70 games. Like to me, a, a just a goal score of that type of caliber. Yeah. I'm buying everybody around here. And he's, he's 20. I think he's what he just tied Hulse. So 741. So he's 20. He's like 20 some odd goals away from Yager at 766. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. um 25. Yeah. And and I used to say about Alexander Ovechkin, he's gonna be Brett Hull 2.0 when his legs go. He'll yeah. he'll just find open area and then just let a shot go. That's how good that guy is. And he's still gonna be strong as a moose, so he'll go right to the front of the net. Yeah. He ain't slowing down. He ain't slowing down. No. Man, I I, I I wish the Rangers would have stunk a little bit more and got him in the lottery because either yeah. him or Crosby really would have helped that team. But that's not oh, really yeah. the case. All right, guys, so a little bit of controversy that we had this week. Uh, Ryan Lomberg deserved the suspension for this hit. One with Barkov was out. Lomberg, oh, big collision with Ronta. They're going to call a penalty here. Ronta is head first down, and look out. Here come the Hurricanes. Got to get to Lomberg. Ronta came away. way out of the net. All right, hold on. Did I? Yeah, we got it going, right? Away. Okay. I'm trying to get Things further like to the slow motion. You start oh, here we go. Rebechkin will score 50 goals up the banner. This game, I, you know, I'm with you. If it's any penalty, it's not a major. I Absolutely mean, not. I mean, the guy's... He's going into the play. They're trying to get the puck. All right. So we're going to really stop that right now. But, guys, so what do you think? 
Uh, does Lomberg yeah. deserve a suspension for that hit? Uh, I'm shot. There's one. It's a 50-50 race at at best for Ronta. Or oh, sorry, it, I, I said penalty. Penalty for the collision. No, he shouldn't have gotten a penalty. It's a 50-50 race. It's a 50-50 race. And uh, listen, I understand the optic looks bad, especially at at regular speed. But Lomberg clearly tries to get out of the way. He clearly tries to get out of the way. Ronta continues to go for a puck that he really doesn't have any right to go for. And I'm not saying that the goaltender is fair game once he leaves his crease. I'm saying he's all the way out at that point. He has he's in no man's land. That's not your position to play. You're not you're not a you're not a, a sixth forward or a third defenseman. You're a goaltender, and you have no right to that puck. And Lomberg tried to move. So there, there's no reason for Lomberg to get a penalty or a suspension or anything for that. It's not like when Milan Lucic ran uh, Ryan Miller that one time and just absolutely bowled yeah. into him on purpose. It's a completely different scenario. So uh, I'm saying a shot. Or when uh, I think it was Cody Eakins ran Henry Glundquist in yes. Dallas that same yeah, way. Yeah, 2013-14 season. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, absolutely ridiculous. I'm just going to – we can't see the angry shot guy, but trust me, he's there. Uh, having been through many of these moments as my entire uh, playing life, I don't want to use the word career because the only thing worse than my uh, acting career was my hockey career. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, and it's, you got a goalie coming out. As soon as the goalie, like where he's nearly at the blue line, where do you stop and say, maybe the goalie should stay a little bit further back. I feel bad for Auntie Ranta because I don't want him getting leveled. But if you even go on the slow motion replay, which they're available everywhere else, Lomberg pulls up. He actually is back. You can see him moving backwards as the collision happens. And sometimes when you're in a foot race like that, you put your head down and you're trying to get as far as you can. And you look up and you see the goalie uh, coming out. Sometimes it's too late. So, no, I wouldn't even get him a penalty. Anthony. Yeah. So I, I saw this and I, I was of two beliefs. Um, I thought from one angle, from one angle, I thought it did look a little bit like he kind of, like he kind of ran through him. And then from another angle, I thought when I looked at it, okay, well, you know, he was, he was trying to, he was trying to minimize impact. So it's funny how two different angles can give those two different, um, you know, kind of viewpoints at first glance. Um, but look, I get it. You know, they try to protect goalies. Um, I mean, I think, I think if that, that happened to our beloved, you know, uh, Sorokin or Shesterkin, I think we all probably would have wanted Lomberg's face pounded in. Um, right. So but now that we're also, I, I do, but now that we're also pundits, we try to be objective. Yes, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think just because of how, they protect goalies and the nature of the hit. I think it was almost obligatory to give him a penalty. Um, a major, I that that I, I mean that part I I struggle with. Um, I do think um, the, the the different camera angles is what's making me so conflicted on this. Uh, but I, I, I get why the why the Hurricanes were upset about it. Um, and again, it was an ugly collision. Um, so shouldn't have gotten a penalty for this. Um, I'm going, I'm going shot. I think he should have got a penalty, but I don't know about it if it was a major. 
I mean, it, he's out past the hash marks. Oh, I and, used the wrong prefix. Shit. Yeah. Now that I just think about it. I said shot. I should have been saying round. Oh, shouldn't have got. You know what? Sorry, everybody. I we really should have been doing this the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that, you know what? That's on me because I, I got too fired up. I didn't misread my own question. But uh, yeah, no, I that's no, that's hockey. That's what that is. Sorry. If 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 anti if anti Ranta, and again, I don't want anti Ranta hurt, but if you don't want to get hurt, you stay back. If you don't think you're gonna get there, that's risk assessment. You're saying yeah, they're going, yeah, I can get there. He got and I'm there. I'm with Rich but, on this too. Yeah. Listen. If that happens to your teammate, I have no issue with them going after him, but I have an issue with the penalty because it's it, it, it's really an unavoidable play if, if Ronta's going to put himself in danger. Oh, and again, Rich, 100% correct. It's the same thing with baseball where you're going, well, you shouldn't – I have a pro, I have no problem throwing high and tight, but if you can't control mm -hmm. it, don't do it. Stuff yep. like that. That that's where you start making examples of the guy. You're still defending your teammate. You're making the next guy go. Maybe I shouldn't uh, take a run at the goaltender. So, 100 percent with you on that. We're gonna move on. We're gonna go north of the border, and uh, we're gonna talk about the teams that the Rangers played last week because Leon Drysaddle will challenge Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy. The I got to go to the Connor McDavid fanboy, Mister Fogowski, on this one. Not not Hart Art Ross. You said oh, the Art Ross. I'm sorry. Well, he's, he's gonna. It, it's a round. He's gonna challenge for both of them. And uh, technically, right now, I believe they're tied in scoring after last night's game because McDavid had a goal in that game, and Drysaddle I don't think had a point. But um, yeah, I it it, it this is a round. Whether Drysaddle actually wins it or not is another story. But. If you're going with the word challenge, yes, he's going to challenge him. It's going to be a neck and neck race between the two of them. And now they're playing on the same line as each other. So, yeah, a lot of their points are going to be uh, assisted on by one another. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is playing with Zach Hyman right now and, and Keller Yamamoto. And now, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle with Pulley Yarby. So now they have two really good scoring lines that are that are producing for them. So unless something changes, McDavid and Drysaddle are going to be playing together all season. So, yeah, I'm buying a round. Anthony? I'm going round, too. Um, I mean, prior to last night, Drysaddle was actually one point up on McDavid for the league lead at 24. But um, I think I think he's the only guy that can. Um, you know, this guy's for the last, I mean, what, three years or so, um, you know, he's he, he's been one of the league's best players. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – you know, the, the trick. Yeah. The tricky part is a lot of times, you know, they both get multiple points per game. That's what's going to make it so interesting. Um, and even the, we talk about McDavid being so good, so much better than anybody in the league. Just the fact that he could hang around McDavid um, says a lot about his game. Um, I think McDavid ultimately wins it. But um, I think dry styles is going to challenge him. And I think for two teammates, I think that'll be fun for them. They'll probably have fun with it. Um but I, I think it's going to be McDavid. But I, I think Drysaddle is going to be nipping at his heels uh, all year, and I think there are going to be times where Drysaddle is a point or two ahead of him too. Um, so it'll be interesting how it plays out. We're going to make this a clean sweep. Drysaddle is going to challenge uh, McDavid. It is just that simple. Um, there's McDavid is number one in multi-point games over the last uh, I think six years in the league, and number two is. Leon Dreisaitl. Um, part of it, 
it has to do with McDavid's giving the puck to Drysaddle. Drysaddle's giving the puck to McDavid. Yeah. The other part of it is they're two really good players. So it's just uh, as far as they go with that. Now I know the tiebreaker for that would be McDavid usually gets an injury that costs him some time. He didn't last year, and he blew everybody away. I see him being healthy. I don't see any, I don't see him slowing down at all, and I don't see any problems. So again, good news for the people up in Edmonton. I'm sure you're listening to me or don't care at all. But um, it's I, I I just think McDavid's going to be right there. But you know what? Trisaddle's going to challenge him. It's not going to be any. It, it, it's close. crazy to think about though when you when you look at it because. Everybody is just so wowed by what McDavid does because of what I said before, you know, the way he can, he plays the game at a speed we've never seen before and he, how well he can process the game in his hands and his shot and everything like that. Now he's adding a one-timer. But Leon Dreisaitl is such a deceptively fast and smooth skater, and he motors up the ice quicker than anyone even thinks of. And he's able to process the game at a very, very high level. They might be, if you want to say Lemieux and Yager. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say something else. Hold on. They're, I was say they're probably the best duo I think I've ever seen. And I, and I watched Lemieux and Yager in the mid-90s. Um, they were an absolute thorn in the side of the Rangers. I mean, and the Islanders. I mean, we all know that, but. I, I tell you right now, Lemieux and Drysaddle. I mean, not uh, Lemieux and Drysaddle. McDavid and Drysaddle against today's competition. What they're doing and the rates that they're scoring at—that—that that I think is maybe possibly more impressive to me. I do think that there's a little bit more strength and um, force in Drysaddle, and that's why the comparison I was making was going to be Gretzky and Messier. There's that that's what they could do. They yeah, could, but they, they play very minimal time together though. And Messier was more of a center than you know wing after a certain point. After that 50 goal season that Messier had, he was really a center from there on out. Yeah. So. And he almost became the oldest person to score 50, but he in had an injury yes. in 96. All right. Sticking with the Edmonton Oilers, because as we were talking about this, I couldn't help but ask this question. Edmonton's play, uh, Edmonton can have playoff success with their current goaltending. Guys are going to start this one. Nope. Shot. Um, current goaltending, you're either relying on a 42-year-old who, I mean, after all, because when you're, when you're over 40, you're basically in the grave, right? Um, <laughs> so since I'm 43. Uh, the other one is, you're, or you're relying on Miko Koskinen. Now, we were talking about the Rangers getting that 4-1 lead. I think, believe the, the third goal was Chris Kreider. Holy crap, was that a terrible angle that he did he take? I mean, he's he's off his angle so much that he really should try to get a, pro, a protractor to put on the goal so he can help him out. Vigo Koskin is not going to be the answer, and neither is Mike Smith. Uh, no, they cannot succeed, and they're playing great defense. But they're going to give up soft goal after soft goal after soft goal. It deflates a team. You're not going to be able to do that forever. And by the way, also their power play is operating at 50%. Pretty sure power plays don't operate at 50% unless it's a video game. Anthony. Shot. Um, as good as the Oilers are offensively and dynamic, dry side of McDavid are, playoffs are a different. The playoffs are a total, totally different ball game. 
it tightens up immensely and the Oilers aren't going to be able to get away winning, you know, six, four games in the playoffs. I mean, just look at their recent track record in the playoffs. McDavid, I mean, McDavid's not nearly as prolific because in the playoffs there's less room for him to operate. Um, and you can't play that style in the playoffs. It just doesn't work. So with, with Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen back there, they, they can mask it during the regular season because their offense will probably be able to overcome the amount of goals that they let up. Come playoff time, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and you could thank Peter Chiarelli for, for giving that contract to Koskinen, which I thought was comical. They lived, they, he signed him to that extension. And then, I mean, I don't remember now, but wasn't it like a, like a, a day after or a couple they fired days? him like two days after. Why did you let him have the reins to sign him to that contract and then you get rid of him? I mean, Koskinen is a, is a formidable backup goalie. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of above average backup goalie, but I don't think he's an everyday starter. And I think Mike Smith is too old and he's, I don't think he's particularly good anymore. So, um, I don't know why the Oilers didn't address this goaltending in in the offseason. They came back with the same duo. Um, but I mean, that's a topic for another day, but I I don't think they're going to be able to win with this goaltending. Um, and then McDavid was, will have the same dejected look on his face when, from the clip that we always use the honest press concerts, this is going to happen again. And he's going to yeah. wonder why. And he's going to think to myself, he's going to think to himself, okay, well, oh, is our goaltending still is suspect. So I don't, I don't understand why they didn't address it, but this question is a shot for sure. Yeah. Philk. I think Philk froze. You hear me? You might have. Oh, there you he is. Hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it, it did froze. The, the things came up. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying shock on this. I don't understand how they expect to win with their goaltending. Stuart Skinner started last night's game, and he looked good early, but Vladimir Mesnikov got that first goal on him, and they just opened up the gates after that. Um, if, you're, if your option really is Stuart Skinner, and your other two options are Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. You're not you're not winning anything. Um, they should try to go trade for John Gibson or uh, you know John Gibson from Anaheim, but they they're not gonna probably not gonna be able to get him unless they fork over a King's ransom to do so because Anaheim doesn't want to go scorched earth from the looks of it because it looks like their kids might be ready sooner than later. Uh, I don't know who else they really have that could really get the job done um, in Edmonton. I don't, I, I don't know who's going to be available at the deadline. They're definitely not winning with these two. And for, for this comment here, um, uh, I don't know what you're talking about there, D Ely, but Connor McDavid has 22 points in 21 career playoff games. And the only reason why it's that low is because that first run in 2017, where they went to the, uh, the Eastern or the Western uh, semis, uh, and they ran into Anaheim. He had nine points in 13 games, and that's not even that bad for a rookie. Or not, I'm sorry, not a rookie, but a second year player. I think what he uh, means to say is that they get shut down. And you know uh, what? And again, I I agree with you, Phil. He they's still a point per game in the playoffs. Problem is, just like you say in the honest press conferences, my teammates let me down. And number one is their goaltending. Their goaltending is always terrible in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean. Th- th- Miko Koskinen was the second best goalie on the ice versus the Rangers, and Alexander Georgiev couldn't stop a beach ball. So, and, 
Am I being hard on Georgiev? Yeah, no, but still. No, yeah. because a- after the pull Yarvi goal, he couldn't stop anything, and his rebound control just went to absolute shit. He, he, what, he, he, there wasn't, I don't know if he controlled the rebound after that goal. I really don't. Anthony. Um, something tells me that I think Edmonton's going to be phoning um, phoning Big Lou in the summertime about acquiring um, Semyon Varlamov. I mean, oh no, that could be the summertime. It'll definitely be you, March. I think you can. Well, the Islanders would be dumb to do that because if something happens to Sorokin, then they're screwed. One of their strengths is their goaltending duo, and for a team that has cup aspirations, it wouldn't be wise to do in season. But I think the Oilers should inquire about it in the off season because I think it just makes too much sense. Yeah. Well, um, if you watched with us a couple weeks ago, we asked, "Is Jeremy Colleton on the hot seat?" And he is, and he was fired. So we made that prediction, and we're going with that one. Going back to another team the Rangers played last week, Travis Green is on the hot seat in Vancouver. Philk. Buying everybody around on this. Yeah. At what point do they – and you got to remember, they they almost went to the the Western Conference Finals. And they they were that close with, with Travis Green a couple of years back. And then last year they were bad. Uh, this year they were bad. Again, and we've got to remember last year they were like a weak division. That that was all run and gun, no mm-hmm. defense, that division. So, and they don't look good so far. Uh, I, I, I really can't begin to tell you how much of a problem – that is for Vancouver with the talent that they have. And sure, you know, not having Elias Pedersen around for like training camp and stuff like that, but you can't be behind a Vegas team that had Brett Howden as its number one center at one point, a rebuilding Los Angeles Kings team, San Jose, who everybody thought would be left for dead, Anaheim that's rebuilding. Like they're seventh in that division. And the only More team on that is an expansion team. That's bad. Uh, yeah, I'm buying around on this. Anthony, your former Islander. <laughs> yeah, he kissed uh, Ziggy Palfy right in the mouth after that one celebration. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go round. I mean, you got Besser, you got Horvat, you got Pedersen, you acquired Garland and OEL. Um, Thatcher Demko is a solid goalie in net. Uh, honestly, he's getting a lot of respect for the Team USA Olympic team. Um, Demko is. Uh, side note. Um, so yeah, with that with that amount of talent on the roster, I feel like they should be doing better. And sometimes you have to look to the coach um, when stuff like this occurs. So um, you know, round for sure. I think I think there's still a lot of time for them to turn it around. Um, but I mean, I would say you know he's definitely in that category of next coaches to possibly you know look to see if they're the next guy to go. I'm gonna go round, uh, and I'm gonna change it up just a little bit, boys, because. It's going to be – the truth is he, he's not putting in, pers- uh, in a position to succeed right now. Jim Jim Benning completely screwed him. He – they let Markstrom go, and right now Markstrom looks like he might be a Vesna candidate at the end of the season in Calgary. They, um, they invested in OEL and got Connor Garland. Garland's been great. OEL's been good. Uh, he's still developing Quinn Hughes. He's got a young team that's that's doing all this stuff. And then he's making some questionable decisions. Like uh, I was watching their their game against Anaheim last night. Brock Besser wasn't he was 
down low, he wasn't in the Panarin spot or the Ovechkin spot where I've usually seen him. Guy with a bomb like that, you're putting him like on the goal line? Really? Um, and JT Miller was the guy that was there. JT Miller doesn't have the shot that Bar- Brock Besser does. No. Uh, I would figure JT Miller is in the bumper or something else like that. I mean, they, but anyway, so that's personnel decisions. But Travis Green's got high expectations. It's a hockey market over there in Vancouver. And it's not even a question of whether or not he's a good coach, because I think he did a good job two years ago. Anthony said it best. They were almost in, uh, they were one game away from the Western Conference Finals. You want to say the COVID Finals? Sure. But they still won a play-in round, beat the St. Louis Blues, and then almost beat the Vegas Golden Knights. It's almost three rounds. So uh, I don't think Green should be on the hot seat, but he's going to be, and I think he might be the next coach fired. So, I mean, where he's going to go after that, I don't know. And by the way, he might be fired and still coach with Team USA because he's still a good coach. But the team we mentioned last night, Anaheim, their rebuild is the most under-the-radar story. Um, I'll start it. I'll go. Yeah, cheers. Find everybody around. Nobody's talking about Anaheim being in a full rebuild and in third place right now. And they're not showing signs of slowing down. They it, it, they got their franchise pieces in place. John Gibson is bailing them out. We talk about the Rangers getting bailed out. John Gibson's very much bailing them out. 12 times he's been named a three-star of the game. And uh, Anaheim looks like they're heading in the right direction. Kevin Shattenkirk, good for him. He's found a home. Second in the league in defenseman scoring. Anthony. Um, I'm going round. Um, okay. I, I think they've always they've always had the great goalie in place, um, John Gibson. John Gibson um, is a very good goaltender. He was just never like a pitcher. He never got the run support. Um, I, he's really good. Uh, Ryan Getzloff has eleven. You what eleven points? I mean, that he leads the team in shots older, on goals too. Yeah, for an older guy. Um, he's kind of having a you know resurgence here. Uh, Drysdale's been good. Zegers has been good. Um, and you know Troy Terry, he came up with some with some fanfare, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And then like you know the guys like Zegers and Drysdale kind of like surpassed them in all the talk. Um, but him and Sam Steele was supposed to be the next best thing. And Terry's starting to put it together here. Um, you know he he's been fantastic for them. Um, so you're right. I, I think they are under the radar. And listen, when you have a good goaltender, this really the sky's the limit. So if Gibson can play well and Terry Getzloff, uh, Drysdale, Zegris, they all keep, you know, pro- providing offense. Uh, a veteran like Henrique is having, a, you know, a pretty good year. So they have they have all the ingredients. It's just a matter of if, if it's, you know, kind of like the Cinderella story is going to run out and time is going to, you know, strike midnight in March. But um, if you're a Ducks fan, you got to be pleased what you've seen so far. Doug. I am going to go beer because there is another story that is actually just as, if not more impressive. You want to take a guess at who it is? They're second in their division. And you would Los Angeles Kings. Nope. Uh, um, We've talked about them before. <laughs> I'm actually drawing a blank on it at the moment. The Detroit uh, Red Wings. Oh, yeah. 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 Second in their division in, in, in what is supposed to be a really, really tough division. 
And you have Lucas Raymond, who at He's 19 years old, 20 years old, is going to probably be either a Calder winner or at the very least a Calder finalist. You also have Moritz Sider, who is just under yeah. a point per game as a rookie defenseman. Vladimir after last night, has seven goals. Dylan Larkin is just under a point per game with nine in ten games. Philip Peronek is continuing to put up points. Robbie Fabry looks like he might be an NHL player. Pia Suter has been a real good addition to them. Sam Gagne still continues to get points, just played in his 900th career game. I mean, they do not have a good roster. I would say Anaheim has a better roster than them. Tyler Bertuzzi is over a point per game. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi is over a point per game right now. So, I, I, honestly, I got to go with Detroit if you're talking about the the, the most under-the-radar story. It, it's Detroit. And, Can I ask you this? Yeah. Do you think a team run by a Hall of Famer that has been in a rebuild for years with two of the best rookies in the league in a major uh, in a major market with uh, a goalie that was an outcast from a team that is now right now the number one or number two team in the league? That's going to be an under radar. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nobody's talking about them. Who? Who? Tell me who's talking about them. You know what? You know what? The, the proof is that I couldn't guess it right away. So there you go. Yeah, that, exactly. You Neither of you guys could guess that answer. So that actually proves the point that I'm making here. And, <laughs> and I tell you right now, if if this continues and, and, and you look at the standings, Florida's got 21 points. The Rangers and the Devils gave them their first two regulation losses. Detroit might have played more games, too, than Tampa Bay. So they're 14 as opposed to their 12. And they have only one more point, but they but they took Tampa Bay to their limit in the game that they played against Tampa Bay. They've got one more point than Toronto on one more game played. I know Boston's four points behind. They've played, played three less games, so you know what you can't rule out Boston. But Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal—I don't think they're going to catch Detroit. And if Detroit keeps continuing to get the production that they're getting from guys like Raymond and Cider, which technically it is possible to a point uh, yeah it, it could it, they could they could stay there for a bit and even compete for a while rich to answer your comment not just philk me too uh anthony loves being right he just doesn't wear it on his sleeve as much as me and john do. i don't so. have any I, I i have short sleeves but yeah i i, I do like it uh, i mean i i got i got the room but i got these guns but uh yeah. so all right, our last one of the day is Kerry Price can, returning can save the Habs season. Anthony, start up. I, I, you know, I've always thought that he was a little overrated in some aspects, but um, he's let's see, he is a he is a world class goalie. I'll give him that, and I think him returning will help Montreal. But I'm gonna go shot only because. Um, now, I always said, like, in the beginning of the seasons, referencing the Islanders after those two games and some other teams, like, you know, five games or so, or it's 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 real early. But Montreal is getting to the point where, where, they're, where they're falling too far behind, and the parity in this league with, with teams in their division are always going to be playing each other, picking up points for the teams that they're, you know, trailing. I don't know if they're going to be able to make up the ground just on that alone. Um, and also, too, Jake Allen is – is third in shutouts with two behind Sorokin and Markstrom. So Jake Allen hasn't even been 
the issue. So it's not so it's not like you know Price is going to be the white knight coming in and taking back the crease. Allen's been formidable. So um, I, I'm I'm going shot. I think for the morale of the team, having Carey Price back will be good. And you know the feel good story. You know he did the right thing. He was brave. He came out. You know needed help and. Um, he got it, and he'll be returning. I think that's going to be uh, a good story for them. I just don't know. I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to make up the ground that they lost, uh, unless some some teams seriously seriously fall apart. Phil, uh, yeah, I'm saying a shot here, here, because uh, one, it, it's not going to help their offense, which I believe they are. Second or third last, in, uh, yeah, they're they're second to second last in the league. Only uh, only Arizona scored less goals than Montreal. Montreal is twenty eight. Arizona has nineteen. And if you look at their roster up and down, Nick Suzuki with twelve points in fourteen games is, is pretty good. But the rest of their scoring, Tyler Toffoli, three goals, seven points in fourteen games. Jonathan Duran having a decent year, seven points in eleven games, two goals. Josh Anderson, three goals, six points in 14 games. Definitely not living up to that near $6 million cap hit that he has. Mike Hoffman, they brought him in for goal scoring. He has only four in 11 games. And Christian Dvorak, one goal, five points in 14 games. Not nearly enough for him. Brendan Gallagher, two goals, five points, 13 games. They need more out of, out of their forwards. They, they need more from their scoring. They were supposed to have some depth. They're, they're, the depth is not working unless that turns it around. Carrie Price is not really going to help save the season because he can't score goals for them. So I, I, I'm saying shot here. Uh, I'm going to go shot too. It's not anything against Carrie Price. And by the way, um, I kind of have that similar uh, feeling that Anthony was echoing. But there is going to be a little bit of a emotional lift for this team, especially when he comes back. Don't be surprised if. They get off to a good start with them, maybe even turn their offense around a little bit. But um, oh, this team has got so many other problems. It's not even on Carey Price. Uh, and who knows? Maybe you could steal a few games. It helps for the playoffs when you could steal a few games because then you could steal a game, win a series, move on. Regular season is a lot tougher to, to do that because – there's always another game. There's always another one to play. So, uh, no, sorry. It's not going to be Carey Price doing that. Although, again, oh, by the way, uh, no, it's not Radic Dvorak's son. I wondered that for years if Christian Dvorak was Radic Dvorak's son because he did play for Team USA. But, nope, they're not related. No. And, a matter of fact, we just commented that in – yeah, that was. Uh, but but again, you know what, Granny, you're right about this. You know, hey, all credit to Carey Price. Uh, this has been a long journey, and you know what, he he came back and he came back strong. So uh, hopefully, hopefully he'll be all right. Um, but we're gonna ask, what do you guys think about um, everything that we just went over? We went over a lot today, but yeah, because we jammed back the show. Ryan Lumberg, do you think he should have gotten a penalty at all? Or uh, Leon Dreisaitl will get a challenge. Connor McDavid for most points in the league. Can Edmonton succeed with that goaltending? Uh, is Travis Green on the hot seat? Barkley Goudreau, it's a number one line player. And speaking of number two centers, uh, is Brock Nelson the number two center for Team USA? Throw it all down in the comments below. Uh, do we want to do that? I, I did slate an honest press conference if you want to do it, Phil, but uh, it's up to you. So two, 
Anthony. Uh, I was just going to bring two two interesting notes. Um, Good. Uh, Arthur Staple just confirmed that confirmed reports Leo Komarov will be hitting unconditional waivers uh, tomorrow. Um, so once he clears, he'll be headed to the uh, KHL. Um, and Uncle Leo is now gone, and the Islanders have the more cap space. And the other interesting thing, I just I just saw before. Um, Mike Chambers from the from the Denver Post said that Sam Gerrard's name is out there um, from the from the Avalanche, and you know, to me, that's that's that's, that's as simple weird. as this. Hello, Sakic, this is Big Lou. You gotta you gotta <laughs> call on Sam Gerrard. I mean, Sam Gerrard. The, the, I'll read you the tweet. Um, I believe Sam Gerrard Sam Gerard was the big piece in the efforts to get Jack Eichel here, and I still think Gerrard is going to get traded. I think the Avs want a forward for him, and they want to lose his $5 million long-term cap hit. They were highly unhappy how Sam Gerrard played in the second round against Vegas. His turnovers, he didn't produce offensively, and he was not good, and I think that has lingered on into this season, and primarily it's Bo Beerum that has showed the Avs that he's better than Gerrard. So it seems like if the Avalanche can get a good forward for Gerrard, they would move him. All right, so then if you're the Islanders, who are you moving? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I know the forward that comes to mind is is Beauvillier because he's young and the upside, and I know you got to give to get, but trading Bo would would really would would really uh, <laughs> I'd be really conflicted. That, that would that. that would hurt a team that needs a top line sniper. To See, me, that's, that's the only thing I worry about for the Islanders. Does that who would the kid they give up reasonably to get? A player like a Sam Gerrard back. I don't because, think they. I don't think they give up Ovillier, and that's why I don't think that deal gets done. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think. I don't think they have any interest in in giving up Bo. Um, but you got to give to get in this league. Uh, so I, I see the. I see the flip side to that. Um, but I, I like Gerrard. He's he skates. He's a smooth skating defenseman. He moves the puck. Um, and he had 32 points in 48 games last year. So, I mean, you know, full season, what is that? He's, he was on pace to be a, a 50, a 50 point defenseman, you know, here's what I so, wonder. Uh, I, you know what? I like Keandre Miller's upside. I really do. Uh, and we saw last, we saw Monday night. It, 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 there's definite upside there, but Sam Gerrard is only 23 years old. Keandre Miller is 21. So it's not a it's not a big difference in age. And the Rangers are definitely more in a win now than later mode. So if Keandre Miller is a puck mover, do you go and move Miller for more of an instant gratification type of player like Sam Gerard? who's also a zone entry monster because he's great at gaining the zone and would would probably help improve their power play as well. I, I mean I I don't I'm not saying that they're in on him. I'm just this is just me spitballing here. So I mean I I think I from if I was a Ranger fan I would I would say hell yes but just based on he said it seems like the Avalanche want a forward. So I don't yeah. I don't, I don't know but yeah, I mean, I, I like I, I like Sam Gerrard a lot. I I do. I mean, he's smaller, and I get I could see why maybe the Avalanche are 
not particularly happy with him, but I mean, I, I think he's still a good defenseman. I wonder if they would, if they would pull, if they would trade Vitali Kravtsov in a first round pick and maybe another prospect for him at that point, because you might not be able to get a top six <laughs> forward for him right off the bat. But it, but if that's the case, can the Islanders go and offer up something in return? Like what, what could they offer if, if they were looking to do that, then? Who would really well, be the Islanders equivalent? I should say, in equivalent to what? A, a, like a like a something around like maybe I don't know a first rounder, Kravtsov, and oh. I would say maybe a pro, it could be a prospect like Matthew Robertson or Laurie Pagniemi or something like that along with him. Um, I mean the the first round pick, yeah. Um, if you're talking, I mean the Islanders have a decent amount of defensive prospects, but forwards. Um, I mean I know he's not quite. He's not quite a, a prospect because of his, his age, but um, Goliashev is, is playing well in the AHL. I mean, there's Kiefer Bellows, but Bellows hasn't really done much. Uh, Simon Holmstrom, he hasn't done much. So I don't know. I mean, so for them, it, it would probably have to be a, a roster player. And the only one I can think of is Bo, and I don't see the Islanders trading. I don't see the yeah. Islanders trading Beauvillier. Um, yeah, especially for I, a, a win-now team like Colorado, they're going to want an NHL-ready player and a good one. Yeah. yeah, back for Sam Gerard. I yeah, yeah. But I mean, technically that trade works. I think for both teams. But if you trade Beauvillier, then you know you have a hole in your you know your your top six. So, but you know, I think there would be a lot of teams interested in Sam Gerard. Yeah, the Avalanche yeah, were, were, really, were really moving him. I, I think I, there's going to be a bidding war for him. Yeah, he's the guy that there's going to be a bidding war for. I mean, because I'm trying to figure out some of these. Guys that are going to be available when trade deadline comes for uh, the Islanders to upgrade, if they even need to upgrade that by then. Um, I still think you hold Pat with Beauvillier. That that kid's too good of a player. And yeah, also no, he's good in the playoffs, too. He's announced himself in the playoffs yeah. the last three years. Uh, the, the, the reason why the conversation about Keandre Miller comes up is because the Rangers have guys in the minors, Jones, Schneider, uh, Reunion and even to a lesser extent that are that are, are ready to come up, and then the question is, can they can they bring him in and uh like change things around? Well, I, I don't with know. The, with the, say with this with the Rangers and what I mean, I I mean I I don't know. May, maybe maybe the ABS would have to add a little more, or maybe you would. I don't know, but you you kind of maybe draw some lines like. At what point, as a Ranger fan, would you consider maybe moving a struggling Kako for Sam Gerrard in a bigger deal, not one for one? I don't know if you do that. If if you're going to move Kako, I, I, I really, especially because considering you're subtracting from your roster already, like we brought up how Colorado is a team that's going to be subtracting from their roster if they move Sam Gerrard and they're going to want a piece like you said, and that's true. And that's why I, I don't see the Rangers moving crafts off in the first. And maybe Filipino could go in that deal. Maybe Filipino and something else for Sam Gerard. Yeah, I don't I don't see Kako getting there nah. yet. Uh one thing that's been brought up a lot is their ages. That you could still go two more years. Lafreniere and Kako trying to figure out what they're going to be. And then, because a lot of people forget, these guys should be playing juniors right now. 
I mean, I'm in favor of bringing him to the big club as long as they can mentally handle it. Kako had some struggles, but it looked like he's fine. He's handling it mentally now. And now um, uh, Loff is, well, he's dealing with it up and down. But And, yes, uh, Mike, you're right about this. The The Rangers have a poor record of, dra- of developing players. Well, don't, don't, don't tell the anti-Kraftsoff crowd that. They don't want to hear it. I would mark to to further that point. I, I think it's it's way too early to talk about you know Lafreniere. You know, uh, you know what what and he's. Kako. I mean, I, I will say Lafreniere. It is a little concerning, but Kako Kako. It's closer. It's closer to reality only because this is his third year. So let let's say let's say he finishes this he finishes this year with a real with another really underwhelming underwhelming season. So. Prior to next season, which would be his fourth in the summer, do you do they maybe have some more realistic conversations of what it would look like if they wanted to maybe let's say, okay, well, we've seen him for three years now. This at this rate, this is what projecting. Do you do you move him for another for a younger player at a different position if they need help, or just another younger player? If you can I, find I think, a high upside player, I think they, they would do that. I, I just don't know who would really be available. And I think it would have to be a forward and not a defenseman at that point because I think they're just too stacked at D to do it. Um, I, I could see them moving Heedle for a guy like Gerard, but you would have to move Keandre Miller at that point or another piece on defense. You know, You're just completely crowded at that point. But you, you know something – uh, and as I'm kind of looking at the list, and we got JT Miller that uh, uh, is right here. You know, and Brady Shea started out good and then regressed. You know, we're kind of also being a little bit harsh because the group of Rangers before that all developed pretty well. Callahan, Stepan, all the defensemen, uh, McDonough and Stahl and uh, Girardi. But then, I mean, there were guys that didn't develop, like a Michael Delzato, who was here and there, Brandon Dubinsky, who was Mr. October. No um, sixty point, dra- no sixty point forward drafted since Tony Amante. And again, that's that's a huge problem. That's bad. It's very yeah, it's it's concerning. Because um, you look at, you know, I saw on on Twitter people talking about like, okay, you look at what Lucas Raymond's doing in Detroit. How come? You know, the Ranger young guys like Lafreniere and Kako aren't doing this. And it's a I mean, it's a valid it's a valid question. But, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, well, first off, some players develop at, you know, slower paces, faster paces. Usage usage is a big thing. Yeah. Um, but, some people but, get thrown to the, the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Like, Rick, I, like I said, McDonough was McDonough was in the trade, but McDonough was in their farm system. Yeah, but he he really played more so college than anything. I don't think he really That's spent true. much time in um, in Hartford or or at that point Connecticut, if you want to call it that. So, I mean, if if you want to continue the the Rangers don't develop well. Pablo Valentenko didn't become anything. He was supposed to be better than McDonough. Nah, I I never heard that. And McDonough had a higher draft pedigree than than Valentenko did. He, he did. He I, I mean, you used to hear people talking about how strong Valentenko was and everything and how uh, unbelievable I, I, he was. I never heard anybody talk about Pavel Valentenko and that. I just heard that he might be able to, 
Yeah, McDonald played 38 games in 2011 with the the, the Wolf Pack or the Whale because they I think they switched that season. Yeah, but I, I one mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to. Um, we talked about this in our group chat. I just wanted to touch on this. Uh, Bob Murray in Anaheim, um, and I'm bringing it up because Frank Ciarelli just tweeted that uh, the Ducks owner Henry Samuel is meeting this afternoon with Murray, who was placed on administrative leave. Uh, for improper professional conduct. And he says, certainly possible that Murray's future with the franchise is determined today. So we were talking about this earlier with Bob Murray and Anaheim. In, so improper professional conduct. So that's broad, obviously. Um, yeah. He tweeted his ne- negativity. And so it seems to me this is a case of a guy who was a hard, hard ass that maybe – took things a little too far. And Mark, you made a good comment earlier about, you know, there's nothing wrong with expecting a lot. And you made some good points, but in this day and age, we especially just have in Chicago, there's a fine line in being too tough um, and being abusive. So if Bob Murray was making this a little too personal, in his tirades or, and I'm, we're just assuming we don't even know if he definitely did it, but, yeah. Based on what he said, so if he was if he was just a little too tough and made and you know kind of maybe insulted people and used some vulgar language, it's a fine line, and I can understand why because everything going on, the Ducks want to get ahead of it and show that they're not just sweeping under the rug because Chicago did that much more serious situation, but they sweep they swept it under the rug under the rug, and it left a black mark on on the league, and I think the Ducks are just trying to get ahead of this. Yeah, I don't blame him for doing that, and and, it, and it's smart. I mean, like Anthony said, we really don't know any details yet. Nothing's really been released, so I, I'm not going to jump to conclusions or anything like that without having more information. But I, I will say one thing: for a, a, a sport that just signed two new big TV deals with two major networks that are trying to grow this game, this is the absolute worst time for all this stuff to come out, and it just. It's just not a good look for the NHL at all. Um, I, I and I know everybody's going to say, "Oh, fire Bettman." Gary Bettman is the the, the cause of the problem. You got to remember, uh, and thank you, Rich. We thank appreciate you, Rich. that. Um, but um, you, you got to remember, Gary Bettman works for the owners. There are thirty two owners that didn't want to fund John Doe number twos. Uh, cost for therapy and all that other stuff in regard to the uh to the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. But it, it it's terrible that you know Gary Benton's gonna take the flack for it because he's the figurehead. But it yeah like like Curtis saying right here it's it, it's bad look, bad timing. And Anaheim good for them for, for getting on top of it as soon as they have and showing that there there's some effort because obviously Chicago did the absolute 150% wrong thing to do. But yeah, at, at some point you got to start cleaning up the ownership and, and all, all the management of the, when all this type of stuff happens, because there's obviously a culture problem in hockey that needs to be addressed. I, I would say based on the fact that they put them on administration administrative leave is that they have enough, they have enough there that there's definitely something to the claims that they've received about him. Cause if it was unfounded, I don't think they would have done that. So to me, that shows that they're yeah. 
is something going on with whatever happened. Uh, yeah, and, and then you, and then you got this one too, the Pittsburgh scenario with um, Aaron and ja- uh, Aaron and Jared Scaldi, um, yeah. with with uh, with Bill Guerin and and those acquisitions, and then coming to a settlement with them. Like you know, something's you know something was really wrong with that situation. Yeah. If they came to a settlement with them, so um, it, it just this is something needs to change with hockey culture. Like big time, like the old boys club needs to go. It needs to go. Enough is enough. Uh, I'm tired of it. Um, I was I was told by Mark the thought that there was no stigma in hockey, and th- I, I know that the conversation that I was having with him was in reference to what was going on with Tom Wilson. But I, I said that there was an old boys club stigma mentality that has been lingering around the NHL for a very long time. But and enough is enough. Change this. End it. It's. It, it's right now. It's kind of like clean up your act, boys. And with all this stuff that's coming out all over the place, all the different uh, franchises, you know, you know, I, I just hope there aren't too many skeletons. Uh, my question originally, and my comment was, is Murray just a hard ass, or is, or is it, especially given Murray's track record in the NHL, he's, I mean, he's a popular executive. Are we attacking the right people? But, um, Kurt, I'm going to get into your comments in one second. Uh, the, but the real question that comes into it is, it is if he's berating people, belittling people all the time, then that's just a toxic work environment. Yes. And, and that's that, then you got to go. It does. It doesn't matter it, what area you're in. It doesn't matter. It, it's not canceled culture. It's something where, there's a wrong that's right there. You're supposed to be able to be professional and work at it. It's not like, and now on, on the other hand, if we find out he's just yelling at people, telling them to do their jobs, that's one story. Hell, Ellen said, we're trying to make an entertaining product. We're not trying to bake yeah. cookies. And Ellen's still on the air. There's there's and, a way there's a way of doing it, though. That's the thing. So it depends on what, what verbiage he uses and how he does it. But we'll, we'll see what comes out with that. I just thought, thank you. AZ. Um, I just thought that was I just thought that was interesting. Now um yeah, uh Kurt, now I get now I read all of that. By the way, to say uh, that they just got got rid of him for comments that he made in private, there was a a pattern of behavior when it came to Donald Sterling, and he was very much in the wrong at all times. Uh, the comments that he made ended up making it out to journalism and sponsors or the journalists, I mean, and sponsors ended up dropping out. That's why it was basically in a you got to go situation. I am never going to feel sad for that guy because one, he's a scumbag. And two, um, he's he made one point nine billion dollars out of that. And he's and he still wants to paint himself as a victim. Oh, I can't believe I I lost my team. No, you you, you were an asshole long before this. So that's yeah. that's the one thing. But yeah, yeah, I know that was the nail in the coffin, Kurt. You're 100 right on that. And it, it's you see, you see now that's oh, 
that's where I'm like, I don't really like stuff like that, where it's like, uh, you're going to take names off of anything. Always put everything in context and, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, if this was, if these incidents get reported to the state's labor, where, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That yep. would, that would do that. But I mean, on that, on, oh, that was just so, uh, but it's also trying to interpret what things are right now because you have people trying to go through a John Gruden email from 10 years ago and one moment of Randy Moss, like the number one or the highest profile player that he, uh, that he didn't get along with starts crying on the air. It's like, Oh, come on. But, and I'm not trying to defend John Gruden either, but it's just, it's, you're going through emails from 10 years ago, private emails mm. on somebody else. And when you were exploring whether or not uh, a, a trainer was giving drugs to people. It's. Uh. All right. <laughs> we're going to move on to some more of the hockey news. Somebody got any other questions? I'm going to get going uh, well, in like two minutes. Yeah, we're actually going to go for a short show today. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's other notes. Um, there's been word that uh, Montreal is has made uh, Ben Sherratt available. And um, much cheaper option than Sam Gerrard for teams. Yeah, and the, the, word, the word is that the Rangers supposedly have some interest in him. I believe this was a Sarah Valley report as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I uh, I would take Ben Sherrod and my team in a heartbeat. Yeah, I I, I would too. Uh, I I would uh, I, I I would I would send Patrick Nemeth to the Sun if I could get Ben Sherrod. Uh, ben, Patrick Nemeth <laughs> send Ben Sherrod. I I would absolutely send Pat uh Patrick Nemeth to the Sun if I could get Ben Sherrod. And and even if you wanted to move Keandre Miller down and have. Uh, thank you very much, Lou. Thank you, Lou. Thank you very thank much, you. AZ. Big um, Lou. Big Lou over there. Big Lou. <laughs> big, big Lou donating $9.99 to us. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it, – Ben Schrott would be a, a big addition to the Rangers, I think. Um, Larry Brooks put out an article, um, and he mentioned um, a bunch of uh, options or uh, a bunch of trade targets – that he thinks that the Rangers would end up going after. Uh, it's behind a paywall. It's that that New York Post Sports Plus, whatever it is, that new paid thing that they have. So um, the article mentions guys like Riley Smith, Nazem Kadri, and David Perron. Uh, it's really just those – those four types of guys. So St. Louis is a really good team right now. I don't. I don't see any reason why they would move David Perron. Yeah, I, I, agree I with don't that. either. Because uh, uh, looking at, at at them, they're they're number one in their division. Yeah, I don't see why they would ever. Why they, you know, I mean, really. I mean, you probably. It's it's so early. Team obviously, as the season goes on, there will be teams that fall out of it, but. Right now, I mean, aside from Montreal, I, I don't know if there's like a team that's really you could label as like a seller already. I, I don't think um, Arizona. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, Arizona, Arizona, maybe Chicago. But Arizona is. We all knew this going in. I mean, the, um, who does Arizona really have to sell Kessel? I mean, Kessel. who else on that team are they gonna? I mean, are they really gonna trade that's worth that? I mean, of any much value? Uh, I, I mean, it could go up and down the teams here. I mean, let's see, Arizona. And just, uh, I mean, could they really realistically move Clayton Keller? I mean, I, I think they would have to, they would have to probably get above the cap floor if they did that. They would, they'd have to take some sort of salary back in return. Yeah. Um, Louis I, mean, I don't think, I don't think uh, Philip Forsberg is going to be going anywhere. A lot of people around that situation keep saying, yeah, he wants to stay in Nashville. I mean, he's definitely the. He's definitely would be a target for a lot of teams if Nashville decided to move him, and he's in the last year of his contract. Well, the only thing I would say to that is that he was not happy when they moved Victor Arvidsson no. this past offseason. He was not yeah. happy at all. He was outspoken about it. Nashville is right now fourth in their division. Um, they are not a top eight team in the conference in terms of points. They're behind St. Louis, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Anaheim, San Jose, Los Angeles, and Vegas. And you would expect Vegas to probably start to play better. If they get Jack Eichel back by the end of the season, that's only going to help them. Can Anaheim continue at this pace? Who knows? Calgary looks legit. Edmonton looks like they're not going anywhere. Um... Dallas, I think, is going to start to play better. That's another thing. Colorado is definitely not going to continue playing the way that they're playing. So I don't know if Nashville's really got the firepower to stay with the rest of the teams there, you know? Jacob Shikrin, um, AZ just mentioned this. He's on. He's got three more years on his contract of $4.6 million. That's actually a pretty affordable deal. If they decide they want to move him to a contender late in the season, they would get a I, haul for him, but I think you get that, a haul. Yeah, I, I think that's more of an off-season deal, though. Then yeah, not, not because of the fact that he has a high salary because he doesn't, and that would actually be easier for a team to acquire than someone like Jack Eichel mid-season. But I really do think that a, a team that looks to acquire him is going to have to give up a lot, and that's going to make it an off-season trade. And. I know I see a lot of Patrick Kane chatter in the uh, box. I just want to check that contract and just see what uh, he. The problem is, is that he's got a very, very high cap hit, and yeah, he's older, so he's like thirty three, going on thirty four, I believe. And he's got one more de- one more year after this at ten point five million and a no move clause. A full no move clause. Yeah, they, they, they was talk about him going to Buffalo. And I still don't see that happening right away. No, I don't see him going to Buffalo. Why is, yeah. I know it's his hometown, but why is he going to go to? Why is he going to go to a team like that? Especially after maybe he's got unfinished business with that cabbie. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one year left after this deal at at ten point five million with a no move. Uh, I personally, I don't see it. If he leaves Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised by that, especially after everything that just happened and like the bad look 
of like what he and Taves were saying, even though what he said wasn't as bad as what Taves said, basically defending Bowman. But um, yeah, I I don't, I I don't see where I, I, I could easily see Patrick Kane leaving Chicago after next season. Um, after next season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could also see him staying. Why not? Yeah, you're with that. You're with that club. You might want to clean slate long. after this. Yeah. They, they got a lot of questions though. After that. So, I mean, I can't, I can't see though them losing Kane and Taves both in the same year, unless they elect the, the other decision is in this off season coming up, they decide they walk up to him and say, you, you mind if we try to move you guys to whatever your next situation is going to be? I mean, the the ongoing thing is everybody keeps saying they want Taves to go to Winnipeg, but he's going to fit in where on that team? I don't know. He's another one, though. But, he, but the pr- problem is at least Patrick Kane is worth that that type of – he's worth that hit. He's worth $10.5 million. I don't think – I don't think – Jonathan Taves is now. No, Jonathan Taves is absolutely not worth ten point five million, and there is no way that. And I, I understand that he, he they're the same, basically almost the same age. Uh, they have the same amount of term left on their deals, same no movement clause. But the problem with Jonathan Taves is, even in twenty twenty, uh, yeah, I get he was almost a point per game in twenty nineteen career year, thirty five goals. 81 points in 82 games, really, really good season for him. But 60 points on only 70 games in 2020. And then he has eight points, no goals in 14 games this year after not playing for the 2021 or 2020, 2021 season. And with his body and the style of of play that he plays, there's a chance that he could just, his body could just die out in these next couple of years or so. Patrick Kane retires right now. I wish Anthony was still here to ask this question. Patrick Kane retires right now. Is he, where does he fit in the greatest Americans of all time? Top three to five. Top three to five. Who do you put ahead of him? I mean, at, at this point, um, I, I, I still might have to put Chelios ahead of him. Okay. Uh, if you look at the numbers, he's got, 409 goals and and 1101 points in 1039 games. So he's well over a point per game player. Um, he's got an MVP and he's got I believe uh, the uh, first Ross trophy. Yeah, he's the first American to win the Ross Ross trophy. Yeah, first American born player to win the Art Ross trophy. First American born to win the MV, uh, the Hart as well, I believe. Um He's got a Conn Smythe trophy, three Stanley Cups. He's easily a top five. Um, I could put Brian Leach ahead of him because Brian Leach won two Norris trophies, did something that only four other defenders have ever done in the history of the league. 100 points in the season. season. Um, He was the first American-born to win the Conn Smythe. He's the only American-born defenseman to win the Conn Smythe. Yeah, the only American-born defenseman to win the Conn Smythe. Chelios never won it. Chelios has three Norris trophies, which is just incredible. Um, He has three Stanley Cups? Yeah, three Stanley Cups because 86 in Montreal. Montreal and then two with Detroit. And two with Detroit. So he's got three Stanley Cups. 
Um, I, Mike Madonna is still probably the best American born. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go with. I go with Mike Madonna, probably number one. Uh, Pat Lafontaine is up there for me. Uh, I, I know that he didn't he didn't win any individuals, but uh, I, he, the, the 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 rate that he scored at was ridiculous. And if you if you extrapolate his numbers over a greater period of time, or you take away or you extrapolate it over the games that he missed during his career. He's probably retiring with 600 goals and I would say probably like 1,300 points, maybe even more. So um, Pat LaFontaine for me is a big one. Mm -hmm. Second uh, American, by the way, one. Pat LaFontaine, second American-born player to hit 1,000 points. Who was number one? The first American-born? First American-born player. Uh, I'm going to have to, hmm, Joe Mullen. Joe Mullen is the first of 500 goals. I know. Yeah, I knew he was the first of 500 goals. I thought he was the first to a thousand as well, uh, points. Oh, that's interesting. This is a name that I'm going to know and I'm going to kick. You're going to know it. Hmm. He coached, um, I want to say five years ago for a team he was famous for. Uh, coached five years ago. Yep. It's not Jeremy Roenick, Chris. I know it's not Jeremy Roenick. Yep. Jeremy Roenick hasn't coached. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not Kachuk. Brett Hall doesn't fall under this because he's not American-born. It's not Kevin Stevens because he didn't he didn't hit a thousand points. You ready? Oh, Phil Housley. Phil yeah. Housley. Yeah, shit. Nice, nice, Rick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Phil Housley. People forget how good of a defenseman that guy was. And man, he, he was, yeah, he was incredible. He was incredible. I mean, he was the American Paul Coffey. He didn't play that much defense, but yeah, he was. Um, he was a he was a real good, real solid offensive defenseman. Uh, Sabers, Blackhawks, Winnipeg. I always remember him as a Winnipeg Jet, but that's... yeah, I I remember him as a as a Winnipeg Jet and a Saber. Um, I, I I liked him in his days in Calgary too. Mm -hmm. uh, he he was real. He was still pretty good in Calgary. He was like a fifty a sixty point guy there, I think, one year, and then he came back, and then he was a, a fifty point guy there, like later on in like two thousand, which was crazy because he was like thirty six by that time. Phil, what the hell are you pulling out of your ear? Something on my ear it feels weird. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not one of those worms like uh, no. they're in the Wrath of Khan. No, gone. All right, but okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mike Richter gets Mike Richter doesn't get enough love for being an American-born player because he was great in the Olympics. He was great internationally, and I mean, he he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, three hundred wins. I get it. The, the 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 World Cup of Hockey. The problem with Richter is is that 
his peak years were just way too short because of the all the injuries and then the yep. bad defenses he had after '97. So but, uh, I mean, hey, if, but, you know, you, you know something. Somebody else that doesn't get enough respect around that same era, American-born Tom Barrasso. Tom Barrasso, yeah. Well, Tom Barrasso. Tom Barrasso. If you watch Tom Barrasso, Tom Barrasso was one of the reasons why Pittsburgh lost the Islanders in '93. He was one of the reasons why Pittsburgh lost to Florida in 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, he was good. He was very good. He won a Vezina as a, as a rookie, I believe too. Um, in Buffalo. In Buffalo. Yeah. But um, Barrasso, he, he wasn't the best goaltender. He was very good, but he wasn't the best. And I, I, I would I would I would say that he really really benefited from playing in front of those stacked '90s Penguins teams because I don't think he would have had the numbers that he would have had. Kind of just like how Flurry benefited from playing behind Crosby, Malkin, and all those guys. I would say Barrasso was was yesterday's yeah, but Yager's Flurry. He um he, he also yeah he he was also one of the reasons why they got through. It, it's hard to play on those teams sometimes because then you so much is, is is expected of you that if you don't succeed, the the public pressure on you is so much higher. Um, by the way, Ely, check that out on Brett Hull. He says, you're right. Uh, his He was born in Canada, but his mother is American. And by the way, um, I still don't understand that. Brett Hall always wanted to play for Team USA because Team USA took the time out to actually uh, talk to him, invite him into playing. Canada didn't want to look at him or something like that. Who was that idiot? All you have to do is go, that's Bobby Hull's son. He should be on. It's like the people that that's, that used to say, oh, surprise, Stephen Curry is that good. He's Del he Curry's kid. He was overlooked kid. so badly, Brett, Brett Hall. I, I never understood that. And it's, it's funny because... I mean, Adam Oates went there to St. Louis, and then he just absolutely broke out. Adam Oates is one of the best playmakers ever, one of the very rare few with a 1,000 career assists. But, I mean, Brett Hull was a 50-goal guy with Craig Janney centering him. Yeah. And and Craig Janney might be noted more for anything than his wife having an affair with Brendan Shanahan and leaving him for Brendan Shanahan than his actual playing career. I really hope that's documented. It is documented. Trust me, it is. Just like the just like the Eric Lindros Rod Brindamore thing was documented. It's okay. Well known. All right. As 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 long as somebody can Google it and go, we point to that oh, as a reference. Yeah. I'm not just throwing this out. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not. All right, because I just started this LLC. It would be hard. It would be hard pressed to give it all back. Um, <laughs> but it's um. And, and, and it's it's that thing you forget how many good American players there were from yesteryear. Frankie Brimzek, who was known as Mister Zero in Boston, uh, comes to mind. And there's and there's lots of good American players. It's just they really did not hit their stride until probably at the Brian Lawton. I mean Brian Lawton, and who was the first American to go number one overall. And then Madonna after him and Barrasso. It's just, there's, 
there's a lot of guys, and now this crop is getting incredible. Although, can we please produce another center besides Eichel and McDavid? I'm oh, sorry, not McDavid, uh, Matthews. Matthews, yeah. <laughs> Misspoke. <laughs> so, well, Jack Hughes looks like he could be a really good player. Um, I'm not sure if Jack Hughes is anything more than what like Matt Barzal is. I, I'll I take just don't... that. And, and you know, you, you take that if you're Team USA because he's a great skater. He has great hands. He, he's a, is a, a very good playmaker. I just don't know if his shot ends up ever being something that consistently beats goaltenders um, the way that you would need it to do so in order for him to be like an elite, elite scorer. So. Yeah. And, and uh, Dave, 100% on this one. Yeah. We, we all wish that David was American. Because, I mean, think about, think about this. Um, we were talking earlier today about whether or not Brock Nelson's going to be the number two center for the Americans. On the other hand, Canada's going to roll out Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, um, Matt Barzell. Uh, I, I'm already at a loss for words. Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby. Uh, the, the list. The list is endless. They're going to have so many centers that play in wing. I mean, we're in the middle of it trying to go, gee, can we move JT Miller to the center again? No, it's not. It's USA needs centers. That's actually how they ended up going far in 2010 because they had Ryan Kessler as a shutdown center and an offensive producer. Chris Drury, who was grinding out on the, on the fourth line. Um, their first line was Stastny, Kane, and Parise. Parise with that incredible goal to force overtime. And uh, I'm trying to remember who that third line center is on that team. In, in 2010. So it was... It's too late for Madonna. No, Madonna wasn't on that team. Yeah, uh, that's 2006. Who? Was it, it could have been Joe Pavelski. I thought he was on a wing, but it could have been. It, uh, yeah. I'd have to look that up. Pavelski, who had one of the goals in the Sochi game, uh, the famous TJ Oshie Sochi game. Yeah, uh, Stepan was 2014. Yeah, he was 2014. He wasn't on the team. Yeah, there's definitely a guy that we're missing on there. Stepan, um, Stepan was the best forward at the 2010 World Juniors. Yes. He had... He was over two points per game. He had 15 points in seven games for USA. And Carlson had the the, the gold medal winner. Yeah. Uh, the golden goal. Let's see here. Oji was too young yeah. at that time. It wasn't him. There's a guy that I'm missing. Um, I know that. Jamie Langenbrunner was on that team. He was a winger. So uh, David Backus was on that team. and He was a center. center. So, yeah. There you and go. And Ryan Kessler was a center as well. Pavelski um, was also on that team. Pavelski was on the team. I just didn't know if I didn't think he was the center. I thought he was a wing. I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember, to be honest with you, if Pavelski was playing center or wing because he's <laughs> he's played both for a while. So uh quick question. If there's an injury to a Canadian center, um, where does Brett Howden fall on the death chart? <laughs> Is there a spot for water boy? <laughs> I mean, serious. In, in all honesty, you What's might be able to win the lottery in that case. That would be akin to winning the lottery. Callahan was on that team, but he was um, 
Uh, he was a winger as well. That's why we were trying to figure out the centers, guys. Uh, and even that D, that D, that was you. You know, there's that, an injury. Been, Anthony Sorelli gets a call. There you go. There's one. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's likely, but I, I don't. I don't know if. Yeah, Slavin. Slavin definitely makes Team USA. Slavin's. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slavin, if, if he's not on Team USA, then their management needs to just step down because Slavin's the best shutdown defender in the league for my money. In here's a, here's a question for you, Philk. Do if you're the GM of Team USA, do you take Ryan Lindgren to pair with Adam Fox? Probably keeping not. the continuity of those two together. Uh, probably not. I, I I don't think you can do that. I, I really don't. If you look at the what you're going to have, right? Seth Jones, he he's a provincial selection. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Bowman nepotism thing. You got you got Fox yep. Jones, Slavin, like you said, Charlie McAvoy, Zach Warinsky. You're not even talking about Quinn Hughes yet. Who's nope. still one of the better puck movers. And I, I put I put Jones right back with uh Wierenski. You probably could do that. I mean other other really good American born defensemen. Jeez. Uh, I mean this is one of the best comments. Ryan McDonough is another one. Ryan McDonough's in there. He yeah, you know, he's still he's still old enough to be like a sixth defenseman. Yeah. Uh Brody Brody put this comment in there. I I, I gotta just it's changing gears for one second we'll get back to it but as soon as vegas saw howden effect yeah. on the first line they said fuck it we're getting eichel it, it, and you know what it, it's funny because it it, it it it's so it's so true in a way because that that at, right <laughs> after that game then the, the 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 eichel talks really started getting ramped up again because it, they looked like they were dead for a minute uh, I'll, I'll cover this one for you, Rich. Is I the Slavin? Oh, he's the defenseman on the team. He was I. I. Oh God, help me! <laughs> I work with idiots. This is this is what you get from a guy that wanted to be a voiceover actor. So, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and then and then you got this one over here because you know what happened last season. So. You, you, Russia might be down in elite forward. Uh, I would never. And by the way, there's at least three. Uh, there's there's a re- at least three laughs. That's what I got. One, two. I, I, and are they laughing at you or are they laughing at me? It's still a laugh. That That's what counts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- I think this comment is a little more fitting. And then this <laughs> other one, stick to hand modeling. I... Uh, but we yeah, didn't pull on any Woody Allen. But but so. that, that's a that's a good question though. Like, like, what what player could step in for Canada in in the event of an injury? You know, they I, have I nine thousand centers. I, I would not put Taves there. Uh, I'll tell you that. I wouldn't touch Taves with a ten foot pole right now after all this. Well, I mean, they don't care. They just want to see the the best players that they can. But what will happen is you already get – all right, Canada's probably going to go – Could Ryan Getzlaff get one last hurrah? <clears throat> could. 
Jared Stahl's playing really well right now. Jordan, not that. Jared. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, Jared. Jared really never played in the NHL. <laughs> Except that one shift was like his one shift was his brother's. Um, yeah, Brody, they should get him. Uh, <laughs> uh, they should get they should get him. Uh, they should get Panarin U.S. citizenship. And now that would really help. Bobby Holik and Peter Nedved did things like that. Peter Nedved got Canadian citizenship and played uh, in the World Juniors for Canada. And then Bobby and the Olympics. Yeah, and the Olympics. And then Bobby Holik played for uh, Team Team USA for a little bit too. And then they played for their home countries as well. So yeah, uh, the I, I had a thought that I just lost it. I got it back. Uh, well, it, you know, you're definitely going to go Crosby, Bergeron, and Marchand. Um, and the funny part is they might be the shutdown line. My problem is Hopkins get a, get a spot if there's an injury for Canada. Who? Ryan Nugent Hopkins. There you go. There's one. But I mean, do you put him on the top line? Because that's a question because the guy that really brought that question to the forefront was when, um, uh, Dan Bilesman was coach of team USA and he took Paul Martin. Logan Couture is another one that that could be available for that. I mean, he's got 11 points in 11 games right now, which is a big rebound from 31 points in 53 games last year, and then 39 points in only 52 games the year before. So that it's a nice start for Logan Couture. You got to remember, Rick Nash in 2014 got injured in the third game of the season in the hurdle game when Brad Stewart hit him with that blatant elbow, never got called, never got suspended for it or anything like that, was out for a bit, and then came back and then scored 11 goals in 11 games. And Mike Babcock wanted him because of the job that he did on Ilya Kovalchuk in the 2010 Olympics defensively on him and the way that he killed penalties for Team Canada in that Olympics in 2010. So if you have a real hot start, and you, or you carry this through the season up until the Olympic break, they could decide last minute that they want you. It's happened before. Rick yeah. Nash proof. I mean, and you look at the um, I think Canada's wings in the 27 Olympics. Speaking of Rick Nash, I think that line was Taves on the left, Nash on the right, and. I think it was Stahl at center. Uh, they had a huge gold medal game. That's what I remember. Because Stahl and Taves, I believe, both scored. And then for the Americans, it was Kessler and Parise. And, of course, the gold medal winning goal. Crosby, yeah. Yeah. You know why he scored that? Canada Goose. Why you let that marinate? If anybody hasn't seen that episode of Letter Kenny. So, must be nice. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, why don't we go like four more minutes or three more yeah. minutes? Yeah. Because I got I to gotta eat something. I'm getting yeah, hungry. Yeah, it's all right. I've been under the weather today, so I've been completely out of it. This has been obviously the best part of my day. So, um, and of course, I clicked on something I shouldn't have clicked on yet. So we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, oof. By the way, Finland 
Yeah, Finland looks great. When you're talking about putting Sebastian Aho on the second or third line, look out for them. Aho, Rantanen, um, Barkov, Barkov. Uh, their defense is really. Or so, who's their defense? Heiskanen. I think Lindell is finished, but I don't. I don't know if I want. If Lindell, I don't know how he works. Anton Lindell, I don't. Yeah. No, no, no. S. Lindell. In Dallas, uh, the defenseman. Oh, you mean oh the one on Dallas defenseman? All right. Yeah, not Lundell. Lindell. Well, by the way, Lundell can actually end up making Team Canada, uh, Team Finland. Anyway, the yeah, way he's he could. Playing. Um. Oh, that's you that put that up, the mock Canadian one. I know that's not me. That's Anthony. Then. All right. Then yes. Wow, that is a hell of a team. Yeah. Like that's the one I look at. And go, how do you not? Yeah, if Canada doesn't win this, I'd be shocked. But the Russian goaltending is just yeah, it it's stacked. Russian it's goaltenders stacked. are going to be Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky, and I'll say Varlamov. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Varlamov. Butcher the pacing of saying his name, Varlamov. Varlamov. What the hell was that? And hey, Johnny Red. Hey, and, Johnny. Um, yeah, you know, uh, right there, uh, Patrick Laine, who's playing like he wants to play in the Olympics. Um, I mean, they, they've got some talent. I just, like I said, I really do wonder about their defense. You have you have Lindell. You have Haskinen. Who else are their, their defenders? Hockenpah? Yoki Haru? I got to look over their defenders and remember who the hell is Finnish. I, I, I mean, um, there. I'm, I'm probably missing some notable defensemen. We're 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 definitely missing some notable defensemen. Henry Yoki Haru. That that I mean, Uli Uli Lady is probably not making that team. Oh, Rasmus Ristolainen. Rasmus Ristolainen. Okay, but what, yeah. whatever we want to say about him defensively, he's making Finland. Uh, yeah, he's making Finland, but I mean, is he a difference maker against? That type of level of competition, I don't know. You better pair him with somebody that could do that. Um, you better pair him with somebody that's really good defensively. Yanni Yanni Hockenpah would be one of your options, but I mean, again, do you ever? He's like a bottom a, a bottom pairing option in the NHL. I mean, this is not really. I I don't know where. Do you ever find it funny is. though? How uh, there's a little bit of ebbs and flows sometimes. But you ever find it funny how certain countries, sort of like certain, like uh, we talk about it with the cradle of quarterbacks in football, running back you, which is Georgia. Uh, by the way, cradle quarterbacks is Western Pennsylvania. Um, Long Island produces great lacrosse players. But this has actually been a little bit more fluid with the NHL. Finland 10 years ago was known for their goaltenders that they produced, whether it was Tuka Rask. Uh, yeah, they Kostler, had that Kostler, wave. Kiprasov. Now they're producing better defensemen. I mean, they have a couple of really good centers and really good wings. Um, I don't know about defensemen right now, but I mean, Oli Mata, would that be another? Uh, Oli Mata is one of your Olympic defenders. That's But usually really Swedish, the, the Swedes usually produce great defensemen. 
Yeah. Um, the Russians right now are producing great goalies, which is, yeah. I wondered that for years. You have all this scoring talent. When does the goalies catch up? And right now, you, you can't go a draft without a Russian goalie. Um, yeah. Uh, the the Canadians always produce everything. U.S. United States is, seems to be on the outside, where it's just we're doing the wings, we're doing the we're doing the defensemen. Our center is kind of up in the air, and right now they went. We went through a patch of great U.S. goalies, and not as much right now. That they're okay. Uh, by the way, I think it was Granny that asked U.S. goaltenders. Who do you think? Gibson, Hellebuck, and then uh, probably Thatcher Demko would probably be the third one. Thatcher, that, that, Thatcher Demko over uh, Spencer Knight. The way he's playing. Oh, absolutely. Thatcher Demko is more established. You, you go with the more established. Yeah, you absolutely have to go with the one that's more established there. I mean, I'm still looking for Finnish defenders, and I, I just I, I don't see an answer here. I, I really I really don't see a whole lot. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of great Finnish defenders right now. I had to reread this a couple times to make sure I got it right. How about Edmonton landing a Carey Price or a Mark Andre Fleury? I know you want to you're thinking Theo Fleury, but Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, Fleury's in the last year of his contract, so. Uh, Fleury, if Fleury makes a lot of sense for Edmonton, Carey Price, I don't think is going anywhere, and I don't think Edmonton can really afford to take on a a, a ten million dollar cap hit for a goaltender that's thirty four. Um. I don't know who names their kid Thatcher. I don't. And that's not and like a very lacrosse bro type of name. Johnny, I I was on I was on a roll. I forgot to say, you know, welcome back, and I'm glad to see you here. You're yeah, doing Johnny, definitely. Well, after your surgery, yeah, that 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 back surgery. That I got a friend of mine going in for back surgery next month. So, uh, that's, um, that's yeah. Chicago. I mean, no, the Chicago doesn't even have anybody on defense that's finished. I'm I'm literally just going through all the teams right now and seeing like. Who but by the way, I think Davy's got a. I think Davy's got a point here. Uh, you could probably get Mark Andre Fleury in their net at the end of the year. Uh, in going? Edmonton, yeah, I, he's I only on this think. one. So I gotta I gotta go. I gotta go. Ooh, I'm gonna go round. I'll go round. I'll buy you round on I that. I would go round for Fleury. I wouldn't go round for Carey Price. Flurry is definitely an option. Flurry probably. Sammy Vatnan would still be in there. I mean, Price oh, has got bad. the Price has got that huge contract and a Ugh. no move clause. Trust me, he's going nowhere. Yeah, uh, that that defense is bad for Finland. That is yeah. not holding up. That's Especially that's not going to hold the up. Better teams like Canada, Russia, and and the U.S. and even Sweden. There is no way that they that they can do that. Hey, David, but, um, good, good, good news for you, Johnny. Hopefully you get better soon. Definitely keep us updated on how everything goes with uh, your recovery. And, uh, if you can keep popping back in here, you know, it's good to see you, but, um, tell me you look at that Finland, Finland defense and you're just like, uh, uh Mira Heiskanen is definitely the biggest needle mover. Uh, when you bring up Vinny Heinola, I know he's Mar growing, but Marcus Nudavara, I like Nudavara, but 
again, these are guys like Lindell, Nunavara, Yoki Haru, Hockenpah, Hainola, Valamaki. These are just depth <laughs> guys in the NHL right now. They are not, they are nowhere. All right. Let me move this needle a little bit. Because, by the way, speaking about, speaking about, um, the United States having no centers, neither does Russia. Can't Malkin. think of a Russian center. Who? Malkin. It's not exactly exciting me. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, Evgeny Malkin, I think, is put together by uh, he's like a house of cards. I just, and he's got to be motivated to play. Yeah, I, I get it. I think he's going to be motivated to play, though. I, I think Pavel Datsuk will play, and I think he can still give you more, especially on a bigger surface. Yeah. yeah it's it's a matter of how much can Pavel Datsuk give you. Um, I, I like Datsuk. I, I just don't know if I, I like him enough. I, I do agree their center depth is probably leaving a little bit to, to be desired. I mean, even Sweden, but, I can't even think of how they're doing with their centers. And – they're mostly defense. I mean, I'd have to sit down and look at the rosters just to be sure. But, yeah, I got to go <coughs> Canada number one. Canada is definitely number one. I, I, I'm not I'm not sure if I, I put Sweden ahead just, of USA at this point. But, uh, but John, just to say this, uh, as Brody says right here, who would have thought you'd ever say that about Russia? Yeah, they were the long, the longest for the longest time. They were all forwards, no defense, no goaltending. I remember the days where freaking Mikhail Shalankov and Nikolai Hobby Bulin was their goaltending tandem for the Olympics. Like, yeah, what? All right, Shalankov, I believe, was the guy that started the gold medal game in '98. Yeah, so there you go. But, um. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things I just yeah question. with their wingers Ovechkin, Panera, and Kucherov, Svechnikov. I, I mean, Tarasenko. But, but with Team USA, hard. there's a there's a bunch of great wingers, and they I mean, centers. I think pretty decent defensemen. I mean, Sergachev is going to make that team. Um, I'm trying to think of the trying to think of a a great Russian defenseman right now. Sergachev, Provorov. Um, maybe Romanov, but Romanov hasn't even looked that good this year for Montreal. So I don't know if he'll make Team Russia at this yeah. point. Um, the the problem with Russia is is like some of the other international teams is that some of their guys play over in the KHL, so it's like it's harder. Like Orlov, okay, Orlov, fine. Zadorov, I don't like him on a bigger ice surface. Gabriel, well, the Olympic shows are coming. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I I don't like Russia's defense. I like their goaltending. Um, I don't like their center depth. Their wing depth is ridiculous, though. I mean, yeah, they have well, the best wing depth in the entire tournament, maybe outside of Canada. But, but again, there's there's a great phrase, uh, and I'm going to borrow again from baseball. Uh, back in the days of Kerry Prud, uh, Kerry Prud. Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, and um, Carlos Victor Zambrano. Victor so I'm Zambrano, going back sorry. to 2003, everybody. And by the way, it was probably the one year they were all healthy. But No, um, that's Carlos Zambrano, not Victor. Oh, sorry. Victor is the one that was a Met, and he Yeah, I was about to say. Five games. Oof. Anyway, so Carlos Zambrano, who was also, by the way, a switch-hitting pitcher, 
anyway, when some uh, somebody asked, I I think it was even Tony Larusa, but I'm I'm not sure if it was. It was a really good manager. You know, well, what do you think? You got to face all three of those pitchers. And they, he said they're all good, but they're all the same pitcher. And every one of those pitchers, you know, you know what you're getting every single day. Fastball, slider, curveball, changeup maybe. But And the reason why I'm bringing that up is if you look at those Russian wingers, who's the guy that changes everything outside of Alexander Ovechkin? Oh, they're all going to be. I mean, if you got, oh, let's let me bring up the wingers again. Yeah, I don't know if I could really. I mean, if if Panarin is Panarin ain't playing. Panarin right, ain't so playing. You want to minus Panarin from that? Fine. Okay, I'll minus Panarin. But okay. Kaprizov, so, Svechnikov, Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Kucherov—they're all going to be skate and shoot guys. I mean, Ovechkin's uh, the wrecking ball. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't agree with that at all, actually, because Kucherov is a freaking former MVP and Hart Trophy winner, and he's the, he's the last guy to score 120 points in a season since Mario Lemieux in nine, or I'm sorry, since Sidney Crosby in 2006, 2007. And I had um, him in fantasy. Yeah, and he was the, he's also the, the only guy since Lemieux in '96 to score 125 or more points in a season. So I mean, what he was what he was doing that year was uh, on a very 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 high level. Tarasenko is a skate and shoot type guy. Kaprizov is a dynamo. He's oh, a dynamo. he's a dynamo. He's an absolute yeah. game changer. Buchnevich, okay, fine. You want to say he's a run of the mill type guy? Okay, cool. But Buch, by the way, Vetchikov is a power forward. He's a third. By the, he's by the way, uh, power forward. And and Buchnevich will accept a uh, a lighter role. He's done that. For the Rangers, and not only that, that, but Bucinevich is a good penalty killer. It became one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Dave. Didn't mean to give you too much PTSD with that. But <laughs> all right, so guys, we're gonna we're gonna close the show today. Um, thank you all for joining us because it's 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 always this is the best part of my week. It's always great. We're trying to work on getting more shows on. <laughs> The the check Z uh, the check D is Z bad Z bad yeah oh, oh Z bad yeah there you go there's a Swedish center yeah I'm only I'm only wearing a shirt with him on it <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know what what other centers they have after that though that's that's gonna be a, a rough one by the way if you're looking into any of these uh, you can always tweet Anthony um, oh William Carlson. But uh, we do have our first ever bar meetup coming up in two weeks. I'm going to have to put that as like a separate um, uh, advertisement on these. And uh, hopefully everything's everything's going to go smoothly. Yeah, it's 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 always great doing this. It's a little bit different that we're not doing five hour shows anymore, but <laughs> it's probably better for all of us. But uh, kind of miss it a little bit. But uh yeah, hopefully. Uh, who do the Rangers get next, John? Uh, the next game, I believe, is Saturday, and that is Florida, is it? Hold on, I'd have to. No, no, it. Florida was no, Monday. not Florida. Uh, oh, I think oh. it's Columbus, right? Oh, it's yeah, it's, Colum it's Columbus and then Jersey on Monday. Uh, and then Jersey Monday. on Monday, yeah. And then Montreal on Tuesday. Yeah. 
So sorry about that. It's all right. I I said the slowest pronunciation of Varlamov before. Ugh. But uh yes, hopefully we can start seeing the Rangers turn things around. We got the um Thanksgiving showcase coming up in two weeks. Uh Team Germany could be interesting too, by the way. Uh, they have Dreisaitl and then Stutzla, uh, uh, Moritz Seider. They don't have a lot of help otherwise, though. I mean, you 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 might even be looking at Luca, both Lucas Reichel and JJ Petarka making that team. Yeah. So, uh, I, I I I they might they might be competitive in some games, but I I, I can't see them doing much. So, uh, really quick. Uh, just before we add, we're going to do one more sign off guys. It's only going to be one more, but would you say your Vesna trophy nominees, if you had to stop today, probably would be Igor, Ilya and Jacob Markstrom. And they're, they're, those guys would definitely be up there. Maybe even Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. I mean, he he's played exceptionally well. Yeah. He uh, stole that game for the Rangers the other night. Yeah, I, I just I, I would I would say the, the the two young Russians in New York and then Markstrom would be guys that could you say Anderson in Carolina? Sure, you could. I guess, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't I don't really care for Anderson. I don't think he's that good of a goalie. I mean, if you look at the the goals against averages. Right now, Reimer leads the league with one with a one six zero goals against in six games, um, and then Martin Jones in Philly has a one six seven, but he's only played three games. He's really the backup there. Uh, Bobrovsky has a one seven two in Florida with a nine four eight save percentage. So you'd have to say Bobrovsky is probably a front runner right now, but he's also playing behind a really good team. So I don't know Elvis Merzlikens in in Columbus. Nine four zero save percentage, one nine eight goals against. That's really good. Jack Campbell, Toronto, nine twenty nine save percentage, two oh nine goals against. I, I I don't know. I just don't think Jack Campbell's going to hold on. No, I don't think so either. But no. it, it, again, it, it, it's it's early. Igor Shosturkin's goals against ballooned up to to two thirty seven, and his save percentage went down to nine thirty one because of his last two appearances. If you're if those if those are just normal games for him, not even like exceptional games, he's probably closer to a 940 save percentage, and he's probably around a 190, 195 goals against. And you're probably looking at him as a Vezina front runner. Who uh, I I just picked up my pen that's started to say the wrong message right now because then I when I'm doing this then I'll just continue talking. Um, but it's who knows maybe uh, there'll be a Jim Carrey popping out of nowhere like there was in 1997. So 96. Right. Thank you. It was 96. Yep. Uh, he was 97. The- he was, I'm stupid. 97. He was traded to the Bruins. Yeah. So with, that was the Adam Oates deal. Um, but it's funny because. Two goaltenders broke up uh, Hashik's string of what would have been eight consecutive Vezina trophies. And they were both Capitals goaltenders. Yeah, you know who the other one is then. Okay, The other other guy took the job from Jim Carrey. The guy that got all the wins when Jim Carrey couldn't. 
It was all the goalie. Only the goalie. Yeah. So it's one reason why I didn't believe in them getting to the 98 finals. And then they did. So, yeah. All right. Everybody, thank you very much. I'll try to get the, um, the first Rangers clip on tonight. There's going to be multiple Rangers clips because John and I just kept on talking and mm-hmm. you know, half an hour for the Rangers. Sorry, Islander fans. Our, the Rangers make so many more headlines. It's kind of a good thing in the end. So, um, so you have that and you got, um, I'll have the whole thing on iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, thank you very much, of course, or, and also, um, Spotify too, as well. So we can always take us with you in the car. If you didn't hear all this guys, thank you very much. We are working on getting more shows. We are growing as a channel. We are growing as a podcast and we're growing as a company. And, uh, it's all thanks to you guys. You keep, uh, you keep watching and reading. Eventually you'll be reading and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll keep on producing. So take it easy, everybody. Have a good night. Take care, everybody. And that book. Ooh.